Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody and welcome once again to another episode of the United States of a Movie Podcast. We're the podcast that makes Monday the fun day because we sit down and try to figure out and answer an impossible question. The question being, can you define every state in the United States by just one movie? No, not really, but we definitely try to, and it's a great conversation. It's definitely a conversation that I can't do alone. I may be a gargantuan movie fan, I may have hosted movie shows on Cinemax and HBO, but they're also my passion, as is the passion for my great and amazing co-host. Let's welcome them to the show, Ryan Sandler. Welcome back, buddy. Oh, man. This was, after a, a, after a, a tumultuous week, it was so refreshing to be able to watch these three incredible films. Only, only one of them made me cry, though. And you're not going to know which one. Oh, we know exactly which one. White House down for sure. <laughs> Damn it. Because it, it ended. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, let's welcome another co-host as well. Will Hirsch, back to the show. Welcome, buddy. Thanks for having me. And let me put you guys at ease. I am definitely not secretly an undercover Russian agent. All right. I know these rumors have been flying around. But uh, I, I definitely, it's totally not me. Huh. That's exactly what, it, what an undercover rogue agent would say. That's exactly. Oh, exactly. Wait, my video wasn't on, was it? You didn't catch me winking. But your full name isn't Wilhelm, is it? Oh, uh, I got to go, guys. You're great being here. You're right there, buddy. Um, yeah, so, boy, what, boy, look, by the way, spoiler alert for some of the movies uh, that are coming uh, in this particular <laughs> way. But also, I really want to get into this week's movies. Let's just get done with the intro and get right to the meat and potatoes of it all. Because this week, we're doing kind of a special episode. Um, because last week, we did Washington State. But we would be remiss if we didn't recognize the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. It's not a state. But it is definitely somewhere that basically every other movie in America is made about. And there were some bangers that we could bring to the table. And we honestly ended up bringing, a, I, guys, I got done with these movies within two days. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. basically on Sunday, I was already 75% done with our movies because yeah. I couldn't wait to get into them. So let's start I, with the movie. I couldn't wait to watch them. I couldn't wait to watch these three. Either. Um, I'm, I'm in such a good mood about this week's movies. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about them. So the movie that I brought to the table, I knew. This is another one of those movies that I talked to you guys about that when I was thinking about 
an idea for a podcast. And when this one kind of came into my head, this was another one of those ones that I'm thinking, oh, it just defines this place to me. It's that movie that makes me think Washington, D.C. I brought 1987's No Way Out, directed by Roger Donaldson, much like Dante's Peak mm-hmm. last week. But I was, I was just so looking forward to doing this movie. When I mentioned D.C., Will immediately mentioned it as well. So I was a little like, oh, man, I kind of wanted to introduce someone to this movie. But Ryan, you'd never seen this movie, right? No, I never. No, it was way before. Well, not way, but it was before my time. And uh, man, what a what a thriller! This was a great one. It defines thriller, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it, that's the way I always think about it. The first time I saw it, VHS at boarding school, edge of my seat stuff, and it keeps going and it keeps going, and yeah. then you get the last five minutes and go, what? Yeah, it's got a Shyamalan twist, ladies and gentlemen. It does. Yeah. It's got a sixth sense. And he twi- was Kevin Costner the whole time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Will, you'd seen this movie before, right? Yes, I, I, I saw this. I forget when I saw this. I think about ten years ago. But same thing. Somebody just had mentioned the movie and just mentioned the plot, and they were like, "Just go ahead and watch it." I had no idea what I was in for, and you know, I, I would even say it's one of those movies where the first hour is engaging, but you're also kind of like, this doesn't feel quite like a thriller. Like what you know, it feels almost like okay, this is another kind of love triangle movie, and then you're off the rails and you're just like the entire movie. You're like, Oh my God, what, how is this going to play out? It keeps getting crazier and crazier. And I will say to the listeners at home, if you have not seen this movie, a hundred percent go in blind, don't do any research on it. Cause the, the, all the, the entire movie unfolding itself is just worth the price. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what is the, why don't we talk about the movie without the last five minutes until we can give a spoiler, spoiler alert, because irrelevant of the last five minutes it is still one of the best pentagon dc thrillers i've ever seen like the little cherry on the top is that twist at the end but it doesn't it doesn't change the movie when you watch it the first time but ryan i will tell you this much and will and i really got into this over text we had our own little private text thread yes you know (laughs) when you get that cherry on top and you rewatch the movie it's all there I was thinking about that in our uh, text thread that you kicked me out of, apparently. <laughs> and uh, I was going, because I had just finished watching it and I go back and think, I'm like, oh yeah, these these kind of, it's, it becomes an entirely different film. Like it, it doesn't, like it it makes it effort, like infinitely rewatchable because of it. Yes, that's so that's cool. yeah. Not a lot of movies can do that. It doesn't change the film, but it does completely change the film. So yeah. what we'll do is we'll give you the the, the the plot as it's presented to us, which is essentially um, Kevin Costner. Um, he's a naval intelligence officer. He kind of like ends up meeting uh, Sean Young at, at a DC party. Um, his old high school, sorry, college friend, Will Patton, is kind of trying to introduce him to Gene Hackman, who's the Secretary of Defense. And what ends up happening is Kevin Costner ends up working for the Secretary of Defense, who is also, by the way, sleeping with Sean Young who Kevin Costner has fallen in love with, which creates this whole thing which kicks off when Gene Hackman, in a fit of jealousy, kills Sean Young, tries to cover it up, but Kevin Costner is the one investigating himself. Yes. Fascinating premise. Yeah. I think tip top. It's actually based on a 1946 novel called The Big Clock, but this to me is the definitive thriller. I think it's the one that for me is just, it is it. 
And you're not saying that because there's a submarine in theory in this movie, right? Just to, <laughs> there is. Just to make sure. There is a phantom submarine. I did. It is the exact plot. Of but you never see it. from the other side for a minute. And, and on that submarine, there's a, a phantom AI thing called Dead Reckoning Part 1, <laughs> which ties into the movie. You get it. And, then, and, and Brad Pitt is in this movie. He is in this movie. I've seen this movie maybe like 30 times and Will knows this movie and we were nerding out and it was Ryan the one that spotted him. We'll get back to that. There's a lot to talk about with this movie um, because we got some other, other great movies. Uh, Ryan, talk to me about your choice. Oh man, I don't know what it is. We randomly like brought this movie up. I think, Ollie, when you first talked about this podcast to me in person, hundred years ago, we were, just, we were talking about different States and different movies. And I mentioned this one cause it's such like a, 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 usually in the pantheon of DC, Washington DC movies, they're all usually political thrillers. Right. And this is the only one that is not that. And I remember when I was a kid and I saw this movie and I still love it and I haven't seen it forever, but I picked, it was uh, 1993, right? And 93, 93, mm-hmm. a movie called Dave. Dave, directed by Reitman. Ivan Reitman, yeah. Of Ghostbusters fame, yeah. things like that, starring Kevin Klein, legend, Sigourney Weaver, legend, Frank Langella, legend, uh, Ving Raves, Kevin Dunn, Ben Kingsley. I mean, look at that cast to begin with. It's insane. But it is the most refreshing bloody DC movie yeah. ever. I remember, I remember seeing the trailer. I remember seeing the trailer for that moment with the robotic arms. I once caught it this big. And it is a treasured movie for me. I, I watch it all the time. I own, I own No Way Out. I own Dave. And I own the other movie that's on this list. And I rewatch them frequently to just make me feel a certain kind of way. Yeah. But Dave, what a treasure. And Will, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, you'd never seen Dave, right? Yeah, this is my first watch of it, you know, and... Uh... Man, I enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. This was like, you're exactly right. It was just so refreshing to watch. And it's, it's so refreshing to watch a DC movie because yeah. DC being what it is, that is just so cynical, so like the yeah. system is corrupt and stuff. And this doesn't shy away from the corruption. No, no. it's got the, but the corruption. It's, it's so but, weirdly prescient too. like watching yeah. it currently. Right. I was like, oh no, these things are happening now so but it's just it's it's the it's that just a nice person that wants to do good turns up in this situation and this is the effect yeah this is the movie asked the question of like what if the president was a nice guy yeah and it's so it like shifts the entire power dynamic in washington you know right it's it's someone that doesn't owe anyone in washington anything it's something mm-hmm. that just has the power to do something good and they're a nice guy. So if you don't know the premise of Dave, it's a cracking premise. It's that Kevin Klein plays a lookalike to Kevin Klein. So Kevin Klein is the president, but Kevin Klein is also Dave, a, a guy that looks just like the president that likes to do appearances. He like opens car lots and things like that. While at the same that's something that he does like in his spare time because he gets people's jobs. That's what he does. Yeah. He he works at an employment agency. He gets approached by the Secret Service to double for the president at an event because the real president's a bit of a dick and he wants to basically go and screw the intern um, from the White House. While he's doubling for the president, the actual president has a massive stroke and so sets up the moment of 
the guy doubling for the president suddenly becomes the president while the chief of staff has got evil machinations to try and take over the government. But what it ends up being is a freaking treasure for me. That's so good. I yeah. I was hoping I wasn't going to rewatch it and misremember how much I adore this movie and how good it makes you feel and how much it gives you hope. And I hate to sound super cheesy on this, but it really is just the sweetest movie. I'm like, I'm, I'm swelling up just thinking about it, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not and, in the way you I think. Wasn't, I, I wasn't. <laughs> That's for the next movie. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't joking. I texted you guys uh, like uh, the other day that uh, apparently this is just a remake of Akira Kurosawa's Kagemusha, which I know we've all seen a million times. We're all super familiar. I don't need to rehash the plot please, with you all. Please do, because oh, okay. with your insane movie knowledge, Will, and your <laughs> yeah, humor, uh, I couldn't tell if you were being serious or not. <laughs> no, the plot, the plot of Kagemusha is they find a peasant who looks exactly like the warlord, and they're like, oh my god, this is crazy. We could use him as a body double. And then the warlord is fatally wounded, and as he's dying, they're like, ah, well, all right, we, we can't we are for the warlord dies we give up all our land our property and everything so let's just make this identical guy the the warlord and it's like them literally trying to like play it off like yep see everything's fine we could still go to battle and stuff and uh the hijinks aren't nearly as wacky it's kurosawa so it's you know it's a downer he only catches uh, a fish <laughs> this big <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so basically, Dave just needed more samurais. It's kind of what you're saying. Uh, let's also that's it. come to the podcast. Um, Toto. Toto. Toto, the dog that Will lives in LA um, and his neighbors definitely don't look after their dog enough. And every now and again, no. decides to become a star of our podcast. <laughs> He's going to find out that the neighbors are too busy listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, it they think if they make their dog a star they can finally get out of uh la <laughs> one day i mean they could be grumpy cat you never know um barky dog that's what they can be um but no okay so we've got an absolute banger of a thriller no way out we've got absolute banger of just a heartfelt movie with dave and the best part was is will was trying so hard to pick a highbrow, like he was gonna go, he, he was definitely circling, circling some movies. And I was like, dude, nah, man, do it. Go with your gut. What did you bring to the table? Come on. I, I brought the action classic, White House Down. <laughs> Stone Cold classic, um, a totally unique and original movie. The Twister of White House. Nothing else movies. even similar came out in the same year. You know, that's what everyone could say yeah. about the movie. <laughs> it definitely wasn't exactly the same plot as another movie that came out that year. <laughs> but I tell you what, it is. It is shit in the best ways. 2013, White House Down, directed by Roland Emmerich, who loves to destroy America on camera. He loves to blow out the White House. To the point there's even a reference to him blowing up the White House in this movie. Independence Day, the movie, exists in the universe of White House Down. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's That's real filmmaking right there. So much so that at, at that point, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but when they're in the limousine and he like he's fumbling with the thing and he turns the TV on, I for sure thought 
I was surprised that it didn't just show the white Independence Day on, on yeah. the TV screen. Yeah, that was that was that was honestly a moment that I felt I felt disappointed as well. Yeah. Uh, Channing Tatum, uh, Jamie Foxx as definitely not President Obama, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jason Clark, um, who I have to really get into later, has the most evil pro- yeah. like like um, profile. Of, of any human being ever. He looks like a Disney villain. He almost yeah. looks like he's going to give me a poisoned apple. It's going to be fine. You know, yeah. he's definitely got that kind of face. Um, Richard Jenkins, in what a great, like, Richard Jenkins yeah. character. Uh, and I know. James Woods playing James Woods while masturbating to this script. Let's be honest. It is, yeah. James Woods is exceptional in this movie like he is in any movie when he's playing a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, see John Carpenter's vampires. <laughs> it's just, see, see, uh, what is it, a casino. You know what yeah. I mean? It just, just get this guy to play a massive dude. Total sleazeball. Yeah. And, and oh yeah. He's like, yeah. amazing. Give the guy an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the only way I'm, <laughs> the only way I'm, I'm sure that they got him to sign on to this movie is they didn't show him the end <laughs> like you know, they're like. By the way, you w- you're the villain, but in the twist, you win in the end. And he was probably like, like, ah, yeah, that's great. It sounds fantastic. You know, pinching his nipples and just like straight up, I got it. I've got it. Book this. I'll take it. I get to say what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't wait yeah. to talk on Twitter about this. Uh, <laughs> and he's like reading the script. He's like, I don't see any uh, end bombs in here. Can we add those back in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. When it comes to this podcast, I very often try to order the movies in a way that kind of like, you know, creates a flow to it. Sure. But you know what? In this particular case, there's no flow to find. The flow is all there in the movies. I'm just going to pick one at random. Let's just jump in. Let's go with White House Down. Let's just jump into White House Down. Watch that the one. best one. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, it's, it is literally, it's literally just take, take Die Hard, take Air Force One, and just shake it up in the middle and just throw it down, bish bash bosh, you're done. That's that's the movie right there. But you know what? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I would say the only step you left out is leave it on the shelf for two decades and then take yeah. it out. This movie, this movie didn't hit for me as well as <laughs> something like a Stone Cold. Like it did all of those things in a whisper. Like it, it was just adjacent to them like it had it had watched those movies and then tried to retread them from memory and it just none of it felt i don't know i i, I, I kept saying it's kind just, of if the three of us were like you know 12 and we were playing white house down yeah you know? <laughs> like, yeah we, yeah we totally nailed the game but it's no it's not gonna win any oscars yeah it's just all the pieces didn't it wasn't the sum of it it's parts like i didn't it's, think the main cast was great together and I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I would well. I would agree with that. I, I definitely, you know, we were talking about it. Definitely, probably, you know, needed a. Di- I think I have nothing against Channing Tatum, but I, he was not for me quite the right guy for this part. No. Um, and then Jamie Foxx also. I mean, we, we said it. Lance Reddick is right there. Yeah, man. Right, and yeah. he's not the president, and that's that's just like, come on, what are well, we? No, no one would have gone here? to see this movie. Had it been Lance Reddick, right? Well, the thing is, Lance Reddick, I don't think anyone did. As, <laughs> legendary, be right. as legendary as Lance Reddick is, uh, you know, R.I.P. Lance, an absolutely mm-hmm. legend. Um, is that you, you got to sort of go back to this time? I remember. I mean, this is me. I was in L.A. when this movie was kind of being promoted. I was bouncing around trying to sign with an agent. 
I remember you were, this. Aud- you were auditioning for this movie. Yes, I was auditioning for this movie. <laughs> the posters were everywhere. But remember, this was when this was the year of Channing Tatum. You know, yeah. he had just he had Magic Mike and he had 21 Jump Street, and everyone was like, wait a minute. This guy's actually very charming and very funny and quite self-deprecating. And he was like in everything. Jamie Foxx as well, you know, he's in his post-Oscar sort of like vibe as well. When this came out, I remember that I remember that poster, you know, I'm driving down into Hollywood from from the hills. It's the whole side of a building was was this was White House Down was being promoted everywhere. And granted, like, well, you joked about it, but you're not like, wrong. It's like it's a hundred and fifty million dollar movie that made two hundred million dollars. So this movie was by many definitions, not a success, but yeah. at the same time, it's so much fun. <laughs> and, and yet, I, I enjoy and, yet it. White yeah. ha- and the other one, Olympus has fallen came out. I don't know how much money that cost or how much it made, but they made two more of them. Yeah. But the thing is, right. See, Olympus has fallen. I, I remember watching that and I'm like, it's just, it's not got the fun. It's, it's a bit more, right. yeah. it's, it's hard R, but then London has fallen guys. That movie's a banger. Me and Mrs. Dude, it was on Netflix. We're like, do you want to just, let's just put it on. It's taken all the lessons of White House down and put it into the Olympus Has Fallen universe. That second one, London Has Fallen. Tight 90 minutes, absolute banger, great twist, awesome fun. You had me at tight 90 minutes. <laughs> Could not more highly recommend that one. So uh, to go back, uh, Olympus Has Fallen, $70 million movie, made $170 million. So technically more mm. successful. I think Gerard yeah. Butler still hasn't gotten paid for that one. <laughs> yeah, right. I think he sued them, didn't he? It's like, it's, God, I hate Hollywood accounting. That is one of those things that just, no, I, just drives me crazy. But let's get into White House Down. Now, the cool sort of little premise of it is, is that uh, Channing Tatum, he is a Capitol policeman that looks after the Speaker of the House, who is Richard Jennings. Um, and he's got himself uh, uh, an interview to become a Secret Service agent. Now, the cool thing about this, because in Die Hard, you've got a guy that's in over his head. Whereas in this one, Channing Tatum is a Silver Star winning three tours in Afghanistan, bit of a badass soldier. So when he gets into situations in the White House, you're like, OK, he knows what he's doing. But he's got a, um, a really grumpy teenage daughter who loves the white house more than anything and honestly, he loves the white house so much <laughs> that's her taylor swift is the white crazy. house yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's insane how much this it's kid loves for the white house and the president she's a nerd. but then mrs and i were watching the show watching the movie last night and in the first 10 minutes joey king playing the 11 i think 11 year old daughter uh, of channing tatum is is such a grumpy puss is just calling him John, is being, and I was like, as a dad, I go, you know what, fuck it, I would have thrown the White House tickets out of the fucking car. Yeah. Like, you just sit in the car, I'm going in my job interview, you mouthy little cat. Like, yeah. <laughs> <don't read> it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she was just, uh, that, that was felt a lot like, you know, an adult old man screenwriter being like, what how are kids like? I don't know, they, they love the White House and call them parents by their first names, you know. Oh like God. that that's their idea of rebelling yeah yeah it's what a fucking nerd <laughs> <laughs> but 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 this movie does get going very quickly so it kind of sets up that um that uh, james woods last day of work basically he's retiring after being head of the presidential detail 
he's very close with Maggie Gyllenhaal, who works for the Secret Service. And so while they are there, after their interview with Channing Tatum's interview with Maggie Gyllenhaal, is that they end up on a tour um, with one of my favorite characters as well, the tour guide character. I love that guy. We're walking, we're walking. I don't know, that's the <laughs> <different> movie. <laughs> Sorry. Bonnie, Sorry. Yeah. One second and Dave. Um, is that while they are on a tour of the White House, um, they get separated because his daughter needs to go to the bathroom. And in that particular moment, the White House gets taken by a bunch of rogue audio guys. <laughs> but they look like the most insurrectionist terrorists. Again, weirdly prescient film. <laughs> I think I wrote, this is just January 6th, the movie. <laughs> yes, considering you got the, the, the crazy white supremacist, white, white right winger with his like- They you know, just look so villainous. The white like, power yeah, tattoos and stuff. It's, crazy were those even white power tattoos like were like they they were all just like nondescript like enough to where because it's pg-13 so i think this is one of like uh make it look iron cross adjacent but don't go full iron cross it works and he's got a terrible mustache so you know he's definitely definitely yeah yeah. and i can relate to that so (laughs) i play that guy plays one of the the nazi scumbags in uh the last season of breaking bad he's he's, he's the exact same character the exact same yeah. He does. He does look like a bit of a Nazi scumbag. Yeah. And so begins this whole whole movie, which has got a kind of like an interesting twist. So James Woods, it turns out, is the bad guy, and what he's been doing as sort of like head of the Secret Service is kind of cherry picking from the threat matrix of people that want to hurt the president, because essentially what he is angry about is what it looks like he's angry about his son dying in a black op that Jamie Foxx actually authorized. But no, it turns out he's just a massive racist and he wants to kill all the Muslims in the world. It's just James Woods. It's yeah. just, if yeah. James Woods had the power to do this, this is what James Woods would do. It's almost like the casting director just scrolled through Twitter and found a who's who of <laughs> real pieces of shit and then put them in this movie. This is why he wasn't nominated for an actor because you have to act if you're going to be in a movie. Uh, and he so, thought it was a documentary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, because you can't lie though. James Woods is so good. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. He's yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. I said like, you know, the, with, with the one thing the world could use right now is somebody who can do a perfect Hades impression so that we don't have to call on but James you Woods anymore. You could have gotten like Hades a, is so good. You yeah. could have gotten like an Ed Harris in that role, and I think it would have been much like his his turn in Geostorm. Geostorm, yeah. You know, like I know I'm, <laughs> a movie we keep bringing up, but I, again, like the only thing that just the the it just felt substandard to me. It didn't even feel like a Roland Emmerich movie. It was probably the, his most grounded film, right? <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, I could tell a lot of it was being shot on green screen. Yeah, you know, okay, this is, like yeah. it was interesting for like for what it was and for when it was shot. You almost felt like it was a COVID movie because yeah. you, you, yeah. you're shooting outside. You can tell that's a green screen. You can tell this, that, and the other. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean. And even the special effects level. Yeah, you, I think you texted on the thread. Is like, man, Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak did it better. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just too. And this is like in the early infants, like two thousand. Because when the Transformers came out, two thousand eleven. Sooner that, dude. Special effects were good enough to do good. I know, but that's what I'm saying. It seems just. It seems just so bland. It was uh, a little. Yeah. It was a little. I, yeah, yeah I, I don't quite because I was watching it, you know, 
and noticing like, wow, some of this, you know, especially for a Roland Emmerich movie, uh, I kind of wonder about that $150 million budget. I wonder how much of that went to, you yeah, know, he's known for using talent and yeah. he's known for and using like miniatures and stuff. Yeah. And yeah just, I mean, it didn't have any of that. The even whole, in the thing, which is 94 yeah. or something. It's still like when you look at it, I think it it's it's so much better spot to talk about because they're using models and they're using CG. You know what I mean? Is like, mm-hmm. I think that's the best way is the yeah. combination. I think we as a podcast have decided that, that is the best way to go with anything. Um, but outside, outside of the, the CGI, which at times is sort of like, you're just like, well, all right. It, it just kicks off such a little romp inside of Channing Tate. And, you know, at one point he manages to finally get himself down to the vest. Nice little diehard <laughs> reference. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and it's just this constant. It's kind of fun. It, it's diehard in the sense that, you know, they're trying to get out of the White House and can't. And at the same time, as you know, it's not like no way out levels, but there is a grand conspiracy going on that becomes clearer towards the end. But you almost feel like I was watching you going, how much of this is reshoots with like, guys, we need to, um, you did it. Okay. You did it. Okay. Give them a beeper and a mobile phone. And this is a movie done. Tick. They just put it into the, into the plot machine and just hit shuffle. It was kind of, I think it just goes off the back that Channing Tatum's fun to watch. Um, he is, and he's just somehow completely uncharming in this movie. Oh, I just, disagree. Disagree. Yeah, I, I would say that. I would say, like, my issues kind of with his performance are more of that. I think he's charming. I, I do think he's funny. Um, but, like, the strict action hero stuff is kind of, like, where he's, like, missing it a little bit. Um, he does I, like, dive I around. Too far off. I think he could have gotten there. Well, yeah, I was going to say. He's a good physical actor because he's a good dancer. Yeah. So he's like able to do stunts very well. And I think it just sometimes, I know what you mean here. Sometimes it felt like it was just, he's just doing a little 21 Jump Street. Yeah. It's like, are you hitting yeah. me in the head with a bazooka? I wish this would have been more of a 21 Jump Street and like really lean into <laughs> kind of the comedic side of things and not take itself too. I, I mean, I get it. It's, this movie has to take itself very seriously, but it just felt a little stilted to me. I don't know. It's, it's, it's yeah. a combination of kind of like the wrong director and oh, just definitely. slightly off casting, you know, like yeah. if it, if it had a different director attached, um, somebody who could like really, I think you had said Antoine Fuqua. I forget who I threw out. Well, that's too. that's who directed. That's who directed. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, Antoine Fuqua directed the other White House movie. That yeah. was the joke. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think I think for this script he would have been better. I didn't like care a David for anything about yeah. Olympus has fallen. A Tony, um, a Tony Scott a way on. to put two policemen in a vehicle driving around the White House. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> he loves he loves to have two cops in a car doing a yeah. Thing. <laughs> but that, See, I think that's the other thing, too, is, you know, we keep bringing up the diehard similarities. Yeah. I think making Channing Tatum like, oh, he's got all these like, you know, awards and he like a super soldier kind of like all these accommodations. I'm like, you know, the reason why diehard worked is he was just a cop. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't a highly decorated. He wasn't former Marine. And I'm like, this movie needed that Channing Tatum needed yeah. to be a guy like a cop who's that's like just yeah. Slight average. counterpoint, though. Slight mm-hmm. counterpoint is had they done that, we'd all be like going, they've totally ripped off, you know, Die Hard. Instead of they tried to I rip mean, off Die Hard. And, <laughs> like, like, how is that better? We'll sprinkle a little bit of like, yeah. he's a good soldier in there. 
You know, I mean, the, I, the other side is, you know, he's not going up against thieves. He's going up against actual special forces guys as well. Yeah, so I'm going to say true. I liked the little the little silver star element. I'm going to count a point on that one going, I like that. I, I think you, this, I, I just that. it just bothers me. I think this could have been like a really great action movie, but you're right. It just came out in the wrong time period. It It, yeah. it is a really great action movie, and I watch it all the time. My <laughs> wife and I love this movie. I, for, for what's and all. Listen, you convinced I, me I, on Battleship. Boat. You're not twisting me too. up on this one. Uh, you know what? But that's <laughs> different, because Battleship is actually an amazing movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truth. No, I love this movie, too, actually. But I love Battleship. I will defend that movie forever. And the thing is, but also, look at the level of special effects on Battleship compared to this significantly yeah. different battleships a banger that's it yeah they've got battleships man <laughs> oh, battleships. This, is, this takes place in like a house i do well <laughs> i do a nice like house that as soon as they kind of set up a little air force one scenario they then managed to completely wipe that out by yeah like, what the fuck out of the air and the thing is first time i watched this movie i was watching it on a plane um, oh, no. well, oh, dear. very famously, I don't know if you know this. I mean, I do a lot of international travel and stuff like that is that anytime. So I saw that I, I saw a white house down on a plane. I saw world war Z first time on a plane, both which involve explosions on planes and plane crashes. But when you watch it on a plane, so in this case, it's just, you see air force one and then they go, Oh my goodness. And then it just cuts to white. And then it's, Oh, they don't show it. No, that's they'll uh. cut. It's something that, like plane, like so. Basically, aviation companies, airline companies, will if that's there's fair. a movie with a plane crash or a plane explosion, they'll cut it completely huh. out of the movie. <laughs> so I had to wait. That, to- that explains why the movie Flight makes no sense to me because I watched <laughs> that on an airplane, and it's just the last thirty <laughs> minutes of the movie. It's an alcoholic. Just, yeah. <laughs> just like, like this, this dude seems awesome. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, like you've never watched the movie Sully on a plane either. It's just a fifteen-minute yeah. like yeah. just court case. Yeah. <laughs> I tried watching Turbulence, and it was just credits. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's all there is to that movie. But Snakes on a Plane, full-on uncut directors. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> the extended version. Yeah, on, yeah. on flights. <laughs> more snakes, more tits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, is that like because we were joking? It's got that kind of like Air Force Oneian vibe. But then they go, we ain't Air Force One because they. I do that scene where they blow up Air Force One was pretty dope. I'm not gonna. Yeah, lie. I didn't see it the- coming. That the VFX actually on that, that's where I kind of think all the, the money went to because I was watching that on my big screen. I'm like, wow, that looks good. Legit. Yeah. yeah. Everything else looked really bad, but like that looked great. So that one scene was the whole budget for money plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna get us to do money plane. I damn it. God damn it. Everyone's talking money plane right now. I think I may have oh, God. Money plane. We're gonna figure oh, out. Yeah. But like I think the the scene that for me boils down what this movie is, how it sees itself and how it wants to be seen, is the scene when they get into the the presidential limo, and they're just driving around like you know in the front lawn. The, the president, and you know, a helicopter has broken protocol, and he's like. The president's hanging out with a rocket launcher, and you're just. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm fully erect right now. You mean you mean when they when they snag the keys to Ground Force One? Ground Force One, damn right. Stop it. And that's and just to be clear, that's three hours into this 90 minute movie. <laughs> that that's the other okay. Kind of shifting gears real quick. That is one of the flaws I think with this movie is it is too long. It, it's it's not paced super great. Yeah. 
Um, it, there's definitely scenes that could have been, I wouldn't cut out any scenes. I would just truncate some scenes. Yeah, it's what, just, it is just over two hours, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's too long for this kind of story. You know, that's kind of one it, of the, it could have been 10 issues. But again, I think that's also a product of it coming out in the mid two thousands instead of like 1990. Oh, this was 2013. This yeah, is, this fair. isn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say, you know what? Disagree. Make this an Amazon Prime <laughs> 10 hour long miniseries. <laughs> yeah. If this was like a season of Reacher, sure. Yes, I'm exactly. on board. Oh, but it's but not I... that. <laughs> Where does season two of Reacher big... take place? We're going to we're gonna do all yeah. of season two. This that is not have big Reacher awesome. energy. Uh, I do. <laughs> have you seen the poster for Reacher season two? It's like him just with his back facing camera and it just says reaches back. It's like a literal. <laughs> Brilliant. I was just, Five like, stars. No notes. Yeah. You, no, no notes. Absolutely tick. Put that out there. Reaches back. It's massive. It. <laughs> Can't see that on a huge skyscraper size uh, billboard. I tell you, I, I will give them credit. They have cast that character. Yeah. Perfect. They know who they're marketing to, and it's us yeah. on this podcast. It's us, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's now a long way. How's I love the, the marketing agency's like, oh, the ladies are going to love this. Nope, it's just three dudes <laughs> no. on a podcast talking <laughs> yeah. about Alan Richmond back. <laughs> three straight guys. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give us more of that big meaty guy. I'm going to do it. And no. it comes out on my birthday. I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. I organized that for you, by the way. That's my gift for you. Um, <laughs> Let's for a second talk uh, Jason Clark. So Jason Clark is playing um, some ex-Delta Force CIA operative that's got a big problem with the government. Um, and the thing is, like, Jason Clark, he is, he's one of those actors that, like, he's Australian, isn't he? And he just yeah. sort of, he rocks up in stuff constantly. He ends up in a Planet of the Apes movie, and he's great. He ends up in, like, well, that, that F. Scott Fitzgerald, what's the most famous? Terminator Genesis. <laughs> Yes. The, the classic very, L. Scott Fitzgerald novel. Gerald's Terminator. <laughs> classic. And absolutely. That's the only thing I know him from. <laughs> he did Benjamin Button, then he did Terminator Genesis, as far as I understand. But uh, Jason Clark, he turns great. He turns up in a bunch of and he is, yeah, he's a fantastic actor. And it's like in this case, I mean, like the thing is though, if I was a you know, a Jason Clark and someone's like, Do you want to do a Roland Emmerich blow up the White House action movie? I'd be like, Yeah. They stop listening after a row and I'm already <laughs> signing the paperwork. <laughs> but and the two, he's so good, but still to a fault, like what Die Hard and these movies do so well is that like the cavalcade of these henchmen all have such individual and unique like styles and personalities. And I feel like this one doesn't kind of have that. They're all just like generic racist white men. The so, only, like, the only so none of them really stood out. Was, uh, was Jimmy Simpson, who's the hacker. Yes. You know, and he's making very specific character choices. He's got his lollipop. He's sarcastic. He's funny. He's kind of like, I, I'll give him credit. But you, you know what? I didn't even think about that, Ryan. Is it bang on? Yeah, it's just generic soldiers. Yeah. And and just, you have too many, like, because you have Jason Clark and you have the other guy, but they're more or less playing the same kind of character. Yeah. Know. And then when he yes. when it comes out, the, the spoiler alert: Big Bad is actually Richard Jenkins. Is the speaker? <gasps> yeah, um, he was a Russian spy the entire time. Uh, is that? Um, is that? Is that? Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. There you go. I hadn't seen it until you said it, but that's exactly right. Is that everyone else is just generic bad guy? That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know this guy's and that can work, but I think for the, I think it would have elevated a little bit more if there was just 
a little more depth there instead of a uh, guy wearing bulletproof vest waving machine gun or guy waving machine gun with a bulletproof vest with a shirt on under it. Oh, and don't forget the guy with a bulletproof vest, no shirt under it, and kind of white power tattoos. So, you know, yeah. he's different. Um, <laughs> Not like the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> but um we we did have like i think i was texting it so many of these movies this week had overlaps with other movies we've done on the podcast yeah like the mum of joey king was the teacher from from uh homeland that jason yep. movie that i think we had from was it mississippi Miss and like a no way out was filled with people that we had like yeah, there were so many this was one of yeah. the, like yeah. every there were callbacks to all previous episodes yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. We're gonna need to make like a six degrees of United States of a movie <laughs> podcast. And it's just Richard Jenkins right in the middle. Yeah, dude. dude. Yeah. Six degrees of Richard Jenkins on this podcast. Um so as so like uh, what are some of the because I I kind of, you know, there's that that bit where um it's kind of fun that they think the president's dead. Um, but he's not. So then the vice president's in charge and you've kind of got all this kind of jockeying going on and it kind of sets up. I mean, which well, the, the vice president is sworn in and is, is then immediately blown up on the plane. Like yeah. immediately he gets, yeah, he gets about 25 minutes of being president and his assistant who is like, it's literally the best day of his life kind of thing. He's just been trying to get this going, but it's like, it sets up almost a, the Rockian situation, which is Delta force coming on the helicopters. I mean, did we not have what was last week's movie that was basically The Rock the same? We had all the F-22s coming in. I can't even remember where we were. No, that was that was this movie. That was this no, oh wait. This is this yeah, movie. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was about to say the only other movie I could think of was The Rock, which I just watched no, today. Because we were just we were just talking about it. The scene where Joey King's like waving the waving the flag. Yes. Right? They and then the three planes. Characters. Which starts the countdown and the helicopters all go wrong and then they follow it up with, that's right, the F-22s and then they literally shot for shot rip off the ending of The Rock. And it's like, that's the thing. It's kind of like you were saying, Ryan, is they took all the things from all the banger movies and they said, let's take that, this, let's take this, Air Force One, Die Hard, The Rock, yeah. and you know, we'll put it all together. It's like they did all that and tried, then tried to build a movie around it. Yeah. Like, tried to kind of thread that needle. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. This movie is just, it's, this movie is just fine. Well, it's like, just, it's not The Rock. No. Mm-hmm. It's not. Okay. No. It's not Air Force One. Uh, it's, 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 it's not Die Hard. It's, and it's such an original plot. <laughs> yeah. But if you like those movies, you yeah. will enjoy this movie. It's a, it's a, it's like a Sunday afternoon, put it on uh, like FX or TBS or whatever. Right. Like if this movie's on cable all the time, you're gonna watch it. It's like a perfectly watchable movie. And I, I honestly, movie, I forgot that it was PG. Too bothered by commercials being in it. No, you know, because you're like, I'm okay. I'm gonna yeah, pop because you know what this movie needs to be longer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those. I think it's held back by definitely the time period it came out in, which you know, mid 2010s. So it's PG-13. There's no like, there's no awesome squibs going on like anytime somebody gets shot. Um, there's no real cursing or anything like that. So it feels a little toothless, like when you compare it to like what it's trying to mimic. Yeah. But right. for me, there's just it's that they don't make movies like this anymore. So it's like I was when this movie came out, I was like, 
see an action movie. I want more action movies yeah. like this. But now, if they would have um, made if they would have made this movie now and it had like a seventy million dollar budget and it was just <laughs> just a smaller scale without all like the crazy oh, CGI yeah, stuff, I blood and some like yippee kaye motherfucker. Yeah, get get like some squibs <clears throat> in there and just get like make it more grungy and. Like I, I, maybe it wouldn't take place in the White House. I don't know, but I think it would be because I love movies like that. I love like '90s inspired action movies that just exactly. don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to, for me, you don't really notice. I mean, like fundamentally, the the lack of blood, the lack of. I didn't even think it was a. P, I didn't even know it was PG thirteen until so until that. the end when James Woods gets from five feet away, takes <laughs> from a mini. Yeah. 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 And he just falls over. I'm like, no, nah, man, where is where is Paul Verhoeven when you need him? Yeah. It should have been like Ed 209 levels, opening of Robocop, just a body. Did, <laughs> did Channing Tatum God. even have like a catchphrase at that point? Like, no. He didn't have a catchphrase, did he? It's just his huh. daughter's like, get him. And he's like, look out. Yeah. It's just a huge missed opportunity. Just kind of, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, what what could have been his line there? You know, I you you missed, you know, because he's now he's red mist or something. I don't know. He probably yeah. would not have done an Arnold thing or just. I don't uh, know enough. About you look Swiss, you know, and <laughs> put him through a whole full. I don't know, just uh, something. Second something. Amendment comes first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Second Amendment comes after I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's. Total schlock, yeah. and I love it. No, but yeah. it just—I wish it would have tipped more into schlock. That's it. Yeah, maybe it That's could it. done with. It's exactly. You know what? There you go, Ryan. It's commit one way or the other. Like, yeah, just lean into it. It felt <laughs> like it was playing itself too luck. safe. Don't yeah. give us a bit of violence. You know, yeah. give us go one way yeah. and just kind of yeah. commit to it. Just all squibs, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It is. Thing is, though, if you're listening and you haven't listened to White House Down, it's like you know you can't even spoil this movie. It's going to go exactly how you think it's going to go. I mean, I'll give them credit that they, for no reason, like the daughter is angry because her dad missed her competition the week before where she was flag twirling. And what is the way? Who? How do we save America and the White House? Some flag twirling. Well, I love the bit too where at the very beginning of the movie he has to persuade the White House aide, who's like super wet for Channing Tatum. Like they have that, that real immediate chemistry. Like you're talking uh, about Richard Jenkins, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to love my stepkid. No, he has a thing because he's trying to like finagle though too. He's like, my daughter really loves, you don't understand. My daughter really fucking loves the white house. Can you, can you get me two white house tickets? Yeah. The assistant to the vice president. And Ooh, she, spoiler alert gets blown up on the board. Yeah, they're funny enough because you're funny yeah. when you say that because, you know, it's like she's like, okay, I'll give you the tickets, but you got to take me to dinner and you got to do that. And my, my wife goes, if you ever need to bribe me to fuck you, like, yeah. <laughs> White House tickets, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, even Zen was like, she's like, she was judging. She's like, going, ah. like, is that how that works too? Is it? Like you have to get what, tickets to visit the the White House, <laughs> or do you just have to be yeah. in sixth grade? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think those are hot commodities. I think you know. I do oh, love I the bit where, um, God, this kid sucks. This kid fucking sucks. <laughs> so they're touring the White House prior to all of the 
all the all the craziness going down and who should happen to appear president jamie fox <laughs> and then the girl she's like hey because she has a youtube vlog because of course she does no one calls it a vlog ryan the John. It? It's a YouTube blog, right? Is that it, what they said? YouTube channel. No one calls YouTube. him a vlog anymore. Anyway, keep going. No, but she <laughs> asks him this incredibly poignant question. Yeah. And Jamie Foxx is just like, fuck. God, get, get, just smack the camera. Take the camera away. Take, get, her out of, get her out of here. Kill, kill her. Kill her right now. She's dead. <laughs> Never happened. I was watching it as well. Um, and I used to work um, for Sony. I used to do a TV show sponsored by Sony. And so I'm very aware of how their tech works. And there's a whole bit in the movie where she quickly turns her phone on and immediately starts videoing. I'm like, that would have taken a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> like anything there she was trying to capture on video, they would have walked out of screen. Oh, when she's precariously like filming over the thing, but she's peering over and like you have that moment where the terrorist is walking away, but he hears something and he like he looks back and she's just like <gasps> what kind of tween? Who has who has notification sounds on their phone? Are they out of their, of their minds? That is right. the realistic part of the movie. Right there. Yeah. Well, she was filming on a Microsoft Zoom, so <laughs> Again, it must have been the world's oldest man writing the script. Just like, yeah. uh, so, so your phone has a camera, right? So you just yeah. press it on. Just cigar and typewriter. It all the time. I get it. <laughs> How are we going to say this guy? I don't know. We gotta, we'll give him Abraham Lincoln's watch. Get me James Woods. <laughs> yeah, catch the bullet. Yeah. yeah. Who's that guy from the, the, was it the, that, was that Michael J. Fox, James Woods movie? The Hard Way. I quite enjoyed that movie. You guys never seen that movie? It's quite a good movie. No. Oh, the hard way. James Woods is like James Woods, but he's like a grizzled detective. And Michael J. Fox is the the Hollywood star that has to learn how to be a grizzled oh, detective. Cool. His movie, so he has to shadow James Woods. Uh, ends up big action scene in Times Square, if I remember correctly, because there used to be a a big billboard that used to blow like a smoke ring. It was like a cigarette. Oh yes, that's yeah. where the end of the movie happens on one of those. Famously from the Superman, right? The, the hard way, the shadow. That's that's where that's I know it. that sign from. Yeah. Well, that sounds just like the movie with Robert De Niro and Eddie Murphy, where he's like an actor pretending to be a cop, so he's got a shadow, Robert De Niro, who is a cop, and it does not go well. What about Hollywood <laughs> Homicide? Is that the same premise as? That's probably, I think that might be it. That is an old run. Uh, that is a well, well-worn uh, premise. Um, yeah, not they, unlike this movie. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> back into this movie is yeah, it is every single. I mean, like it was. It goes back. So it was the spec script was purchased for three million dollars in what the Hollywood Reporter called one of the biggest spec sales in quite a while which to be honest you that's can, massive it's much like they talk about that they sold like um showgirls was sold it was written on like a, a you know a, a napkin in a bar and that was like a million dollar script but it's like this one was just literally they must have much like you joke about aliens with a dollar sign this is literally just die hard plus this plus that plus but in theory it sounds like in theory all of it sounds so good and should work it's just that it just falls flat it just it you know matter? like you said you like you said earlier like if you haven't seen this movie you have <laughs> like it's just every other movie yeah I, but it doesn't i, I, I well. wouldn't i wouldn't even be surprised if they purchased it for that much because at some point they were thinking of turning it into like die hard five oh, for sure yeah like because because that was all because like that was i think every die hard sequel 
started off as something else, yeah. and then they turned it into Die Hard. Well, so it, it been, would I mean, not shock it. Uh, you give me Bruce Willis cool. in this, it would have been a better film. But that's but you know we got that with Jerry Butts and the other one. Ooh, yeah, no, and they did, can't believe can't believe the same shit happened to the third guy thrice. <laughs> Actually, for life. Uh, I think they're making yeah. a fourth one. Um, a fourth Die Hard? No, a fourth, a fourth Olympus Has Fallen. I think there's another one coming. Um, Olympus what Has Fallen. What else could fall? <laughs> Geostorm. Geostorm. Oh, yep. We're going to merge them. That's what's mm-hmm. happening. Sky I'm has telling fallen. you, Jerry Butler, Jason Statham, and I don't care who else. Just get them in a movie together. And I'll, you know, yeah, Geostorm Th- or not. Yeah, Jason Statham can kick everybody. Jerry Butts can shoot everybody, and we can just yeah. Have- well, they're already here. They're making a sequel to the movie Plane, but it's just called Boat. Yes, right? that's actually that, true, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. That's another one too that really felt like a '90s homage action thriller, but just felt just off. Just didn't really. You didn't you go to the theater to see Plane? I did see it in the theater. Yeah. You. Are- I thought I was going to see Money Plane. <laughs> I didn't think I was spending money on the movie plane. Okay, oh, man. You can imagine my disappointment. Up, to catch people up right now, if you haven't heard Money Plane, Google it. Just type it in. It's a ridiculous kind of premise of like some casino plane that's filled with sort of terrorists that's always flying. It's it's got like Kelsey Grammer in it. Yep. It's got a young Adam Driver, I do believe. It's got like it's, it's He just, plays the alligator. <laughs> <laughs> But just look it up. It is well, it's because uh, Lucky uh, B movie that everyone's talking about. Yeah, it's because John Oliver just featured it on his last episode of last week tonight. Oh, is that why everyone's talking? Because I'm like, I saw this yeah. like two years ago. Why yeah, is everybody yeah. talking about this now? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's just say to everybody at home, if you haven't watched White House Down, watch it. Um, it does. You know, you, it's you perfectly watchable. It's yes, it is a movie. Stuff, as my father-in-law likes to say, he likes to boil down any movie that he reviews, um, is stuff blows up real good. So if you like stuff blowing up real good, White House down. It's the way to do it. Um, but let's go from a by-the-numbers, cliche-ridden schlock fest of a, of a movie. Let's go over to No Way Out. Let's talk about a... A thriller that honestly defines thrillers. It's got that 70s conspiracy feel. It's got that 90s kind of edge. It's a movie that is in many ways perfect, except for the most 80s score slash yeah. songs that it otherwise would be an un, like a timeless movie because it's yeah. made in the 80s. I was saying that before you hopped on. I was talking to Will about it. I'm like, that's the only, like, if this had a different score, this would have been like an inst- an iconic classic. But the soundtrack is just so bizarre. It it is. It's kind of um, it's like we talked about almost doing it for Washington. Like uh, War Games has has um, it's better though. But it's got like it's just got that feel. I will say that when there's the chase is happening and he's running and there's lots of running. There's lots of Tom Cruise and running uh, in this movie. Credit to a very fit Kevin Costner. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he was doing all that shit running yeah. upstairs and stuff like that. Getting hit, getting hit by cars. Yeah, he did that for real. <laughs> That is a for real stunt. Um, but he couldn't drive without his glasses. <laughs> but <laughs> that it's, was the thing. Yeah, it's this movie is is an absolute absolute banger. So I think I want to just go to you, Ryan, because yeah. you'd never seen it. I just like 
talk us through your feeling, your reaction. Your yeah, I mean, this movie is very. I the whole time I'm watching this movie, I for some reason it felt like such a '90s thriller, but I didn't realize it takes place in it's like '87. Mm-hmm. So that kind of explains the music. Like it's right at that turning point where it's a little synthy, but just a bit off. It just didn't fit the tone of the film. It's like they took a soundtrack from a different movie and just kind of padded it with this one. Um, but no, I was engaged from the start of this film. I love movies like this and I can't believe I, I'd never seen it. And um, I think I said on the texture, I think Sean Young is just all, is just the right kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> as, she, as she often is but man i love this thing and you, you got gene hackman man you got the hackman yeah you can oh, never man. get enough gene hackman and, and i said even like, like kevin sorry. costner kills oh. it oh and will Patton too i'm like will. i don't think i've ever seen him young I'm like I, yeah from will Patton from gone in 60 seconds yeah <laughs> 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 but he's great and I, this felt like if you were fans of the early season uh, of house of cards this felt very much like that like you have the you have the political higher up and his right hand goon who's kind of gay and just solves all his like crime mm-hmm. for him so he doesn't get his hands dirty it's kind of got that and it just kind of worked for me i like that it's good but it's it also i mean like what i i like about it being a pentagon based thriller yeah is that you know because when you, you were the one that jumped on the text to go, oh, we've got a phantom submarine here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're expecting some sort of like geopolitical no, thing. No, I, yeah. But this one is just like, no. no it's, it's not that at all. It is very much just on the surface of it. Um, kind of kind of reminds me of this um, Clint Eastwood movie, Absolute Power, which I yeah. think is Gene Hackman again. Yeah. Um, where it's based, yeah. like, you know, guys, you know, in power, murdering a woman trying to cover it up and people kind of getting caught in the mix of well these people have got all the power they've got the ability to direct you know agencies they've got the ability to you know take away your rights as it is and so just even on the the general premise of this movie as it's presented to us of this naval intelligence officer who falls in love with sean young they meet at this thing they have interesting limo sex brilliantly pastiched in a movie we've we've talked about before is uh hot shots part Deux. is the oh yeah <laughs> scene is ripped off in hot shots part Deux, where like the cat the the driver's constantly trying to get views and he gets gone <laughs> and he's running alongside with that's the, right that's what the, oh my yeah. god yeah that went on that scene went on a little longer like it does i'm pretty but, long but it's like while at the same time like you know what he tells like, show us all the monuments so we do get a tour of washington while yeah. Kevin Costner is, is she maybe I missed this. Is she like a professional woman in this no. scenario? I know like she's Gene a kept Hackman's. Woman. Say that again. She's a kept woman. because uh, I know Gene Hackman. He's like he has. He's like I'm paying for the the yeah, yeah, so, apartment and then. So he's like yeah. she is like she is the the other woman. She is the mistress. She is like um like as much like Arizona ASU is notorious for sugardaddy.com, right? She is. He is her sugar daddy. <laughs> Um, and so finally an analogy I can understand (laughs) (laughs) yes essentially it's like she mentions it is that yeah she she is told to go to places he likes to see her in public so Gene Hackman likes to be with his wife and mingling with all the hoi polloi but he likes to look over at the hot young thing that he's boning yeah and it was jarring because again like I didn't there's not a single twist in this movie that I expected just because I kept getting caught off guard by like everything about it. Like when Kevin Costner's in, is he in the Philippines? Yeah. 
and he's you know in a bar and it's getting rowdy and he's on the phone he calls her from the philippines on a payphone with like a stack of quarters on there and she's just in bed in heels wearing like a full night like full nighty and everything i'm like that seems strange yeah she she answers the phone hangs it up answers the phone rips the thing out and then just cuts to gene hackman in a bathrobe i'm like whoa I, that's crazy that's i didn't see that coming i've seen the movie before right and then i had the same thing that it cuts to her and i go who's just lying in bed in lingerie yeah. like that oh, go, yeah. oh i like that scene because his buddy's super drunk and he's throwing the coins at the yes you no know, process and then yeah. he just rips the phone <laughs> out of the wall that's my money go, yeah. go yeah. get it yeah. <laughs> very good drunk acting yeah very yeah. Um, you get that sort of action scene mentioning the Philippines that he goes off as a naval officer. Um, yeah. He's very heroic. You get that kind of cool sort of action scene where he saves that guy, and that's what, kind of what gets Gene Hackman's uh, attention. And he kind of brings him in as his kind of like his naval intelligence kind of – he's just intelligence guy, basically. He's his Pentagon liaison. Now, of course, it's, um, again, presented as coincidence, um, but it's not so much. But, um, the, yeah, Kevin Costner – and Sean Young start having a relationship. And when they go away for a weekend, it makes Gene Hackman very jealous because he isn't able to find her. Uh, but Kevin Costner's getting jealous because he's feeling like the extra man. And there's this kind of moment where they see each other without seeing each other. But it's right before Gene Hackman accidentally, while at the same time being an abusive piece of shit, kills Sean Young by slapping her off the third story of their, this house. Very jarring moment, jarring death. But that's where it kind of sets up this great thriller kind of thing. Again, you're not seeing that's what the movie's going to be. But it's the mm-hmm. Secretary of Defense has murdered someone. Yeah. I really love the whole dynamic that Kevin Costner is investigating himself. That's like, the, it's, right it's so cool. Will Patton has to, he's like, I'm going to fix this. And then the weird coincidence of, the one guy they've got to run the investigation is also the one guy they're trying to pin the murder on. Brilliant premise. Brilliant. And Kevin Costner's got his friend in the intelligence agency. Um, they just like happen to know each other and he was like the really great at all this technology and stuff. He's like, hey, I need your help to find me this person, but don't help me that much. Don't know, you know, like really take, take your time. <laughs> and much like we'll get into in a little bit later, but it's the, he doesn't happen to know him. It's, it's, we'll get into it later, but it's like, it seems like, oh, it's great coincidence that someone else that works at the Pentagon, who's very much involved in the technological side, just so happens to be someone that Kevin Costner's character has met and made friends with and has a relationship with, which he's able to, in this particular case, like Ryan's saying, is as the investigation's going on, there's this great bit, it's like, it's the ticking clock of, there's a moment when they're hanging out, Ryan, uh, sorry, uh, um, Kevin Costner and, and Sean Young are hanging out and she takes a Polaroid of him. And now he very quickly, jokingly takes it and destroys that Polaroid. Again, seemingly accidentally, but when you watch the movie a few times, but they find that negative and you get that digital ticking clock of it's always on the screen. He walks back into this naval sort of intelligence area and it's slowly looking more and more like him and it's just tension 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 you love it yeah, yeah. that's great even the throwaway line where she's like ah it looks like a, bab- a baboon in the dark closet or something yeah, like yeah. that and it's just the first picture that pops up is a actual baboon <laughs> <laughs> good spot good yeah. point 
But yeah, yeah. like you know, you, you and I, we, we were we were definitely waxing lyrical about this movie. I mean, like from its Great. its its filmmaking perspective, it, it the way they've written it. I mean, just what do you feel about it? Oh yeah, it, it. it's one of those like just the entire movie. I I didn't even have time to try to guess where it was going. I was just like so in the moment, so engaged, just like. You know, and as, the longer the investigation goes on, the more you're like, God, this could go off the rails like any second. Um, and it I almost like, does I like, like a bunch of times. Like, so, it, yeah, it gets clo- like the, really it gets close. So many close calls. And mm-hmm. then when they start bringing in the people who saw him and Sean Young on vacation and the one guy who is it's the bellboy. It, it, yeah. <laughs> in the, in the colonial outfit, like, it's I great. guess like, <laughs> just because there's no other way you would have remembered that. Character. Right. It, it, that's if and the big fisherman shorthand, but it's like, yeah. they don't let this poor guy change. Yeah. yeah. The, the guy, the big the, fisherman who's also helping them chase him through the hallways. He just dressed like a fisherman too. The thing is I had the same reaction, but then I, when I actually step back and I think about the timeline of this movie, it only takes place over like for this last part is two days. This is like, yeah. They yeah. just got back yeah, from the yeah. beach. He's immediately murdered. This is the next day. Like, yeah. It's yeah. Only eight it, so it's not a crazy amount of time later. It, it's just funny that like. It does seem like it. Because like, you show just, that scene in isolation to anybody. Yeah. And they'll they'll yeah. be like, why is an old school. Why is he like, just, yeah, like a 1600s <laughs> kind of like. Yeah, <laughs> a little Dutch Yeah, boy. aristocrat. Like what's yeah. going on? <laughs> um, but uh, Back it up and like just like, give a little sort of like a, a flavor to what, what the guys are talking about right here is that it does constantly keep adding the pressure on Kevin Costner. So as this picture is being developed that is going to reveal him to be the guy, that they've also then like, so uh, Gene Hackman's brought in a couple of uh wet guys, some mercenaries, essentially, former special forces who are basically assassins who are there to basically, whoever's the guilty, inverted commas guy, immediately find and kill and then, you know, wrap this kind of thing up. But then, of course, because they're trying to pin it on this, this guy who they don't know who it is that they're investigating, they've gone for this romantic weekend the night before, the weekend before. So they start bringing in the witnesses. So while Kevin Costner is investigating himself and marshalling the investigation. Two witnesses are now in the Pentagon that he can't leave. Yeah. And he's trying to avoid them at the same time. Brilliant. I mean, all the la- like once you really start adding up all the layers to this, it really is insane. Like this movie should fall apart at any moment. But you've also got they found his DNA that he's then having to cross reference to every new hire in the CIA, which is like something like 4,000 plus people. But it's cool because we got their blood type. So we'll narrow that down. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got, you know, then they find the gift that Gene Hackman gave Sean Young's character, this uh, little like uh, jewelry box. And you have to claim all the gifts that you get, the international gifts. So he's getting a list of all the gifts and he's finding out who gave it. And it's there's well, so then, many things. So then he, yeah. So then he leverages his friendship with his tech buddy to get that into the system. And what I like is it's right at the beginning of, wow, we can do that. And he goes, well, you know what we could do is we could interface. You know what I mean? It's like we yeah. can merge the computers. Here's the thing, though. What is that? <laughs> but it's right. It's internet. Yeah. But it's like, you know, because internet came out of intranet, came out of DARPA, came out of, you know, came out of the Pentagon. So they've got mm-hmm. technology that when we see it in this movie, is like, whoa, it's the future, man. It still kind of works, though. It didn't. It didn't. doesn't for, feel dated, we, does it? Doesn't. Right. It really doesn't. I don't know why. It's just the well, charm of this movie. The photo enhanced stuff. Like, you, you, you didn't see that in movies for, no, like, still no. a few more years. But today we're so used to it. So seeing it in this movie, 
makes it not feel the, dated at the all. The most You're unrealistic like, thing oh, yeah, is how quickly sense. the most unrealistic thing is how quickly that printer can print, which is right. yeah. and doesn't jam once. It was a dope. Like they, remember, yes, that you was remember the using I had. those printers because they had the, the the things on the side that you can kind of feel off. Yeah, it was loud and it took fucking forever. So yeah. Like he's looking through spools of paper just to find the name while the two guys are coming in. It's a really tense movie. It is, really but tense. it is. And it, it's because it's like I was saying. So you've got the ticking clock of, of that picture. You've got the ticking clock of these two witnesses wandering around the Pentagon. And then, then it's like when he realizes, because he, you know, he's trying to help, you know, Iman turns up in this movie. He's trying to yeah. save this witness. So you, you add in actual chases. And whenever he's there, he's running. He's only two feet ahead of these guys. You know what I mean? At, at, at all times, he's that close to getting caught. He's that close to losing for the whole movie. It, it's, that's why I keep saying it's the and, definitive thriller. For and me. you're forgetting, too, that this, this movie opens after all of that shit has happened. Yes. Like it opens with him being interrogated for this crime. So you know he gets caught. And then it just kind of, it, it, then it's telling you the story, I guess, like it's a, I forget that the timeline, it's like a few weeks prior to it this, right? Back, so, well, initially it goes back six months to the very first time he meets her. Right, 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 right. And then it so he trying to- such a clever, it. such a clever thing to do for a movie at this time, but like start at the, you know, start at the end and work your way back. I was, so I always love that. At this point, if you are listening and you've not, li- have not seen No Way Out, pause and either watch the movie or fast forward until such point as we are talking um, about Dave. Because <laughs> what we're now going to talk about is, is a part of the movie that is the cherry on top that is the twist on the twist on the twist. Yeah. Because like you were saying, Ryan, the really clever part is it starts at the end, goes back to the beginning. But what it presents us at the end is the falseness, is the fallacy, is the cover that we don't then reveal until the very, very last two minutes of the movie, which Will and I were gushing. I mean, we were positively frothy about this, is that the reason it works is we, even as the audience, have been sold on his cover. They present him as something. But when you know, spoiler alert, last warning, that it turns out that he is actually the Russian spy they're pretending to find. Because in the, they, the reason that Gene Hackman is able to control this investigation is they lie and say, we're trying to find Yuri, this mythical Pentagon Russian spy. The massive, just complete coincidence of the whole thing is Kevin Costner actually is the Russian spy. That it's like, it's brilliant. So when you- it's, co- It was so absurd, I had to make sure I wasn't hallucinating. <laughs> That's what yeah. they fucking did. It's, it's it crazy. But it's pure coincidence. It's not played out like anything else of like, yeah. when you go back and watch the movie again, as, as Kevin Costner is a Russian spy, every reaction he has to a situation is correct. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you feel like he's overreacting or sometimes you feel like, wow, he's so shook. It's because he's like, I can't fucking believe this is happening right now. Yeah. But when yeah. you, as well, Will, Will pointed out to me is like, when you watch it, listen to everything he asks. The people he's asking questions, the paperwork he's requesting, it's all like, get me a, uh, get me a detailed discussion of um, American readiness in comparison to Russian readiness or whatever. It's like, he's always being a spy. 
and it's always there in front of us, but you buy the cover. Brilliant. This movie. It's really great. Yeah. Brilliant. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. The movie gives you like no reason to think that he's a Russian spy at all. It's and- such a Hail Mary that I, <laughs> like, and it just fucking works, man. Like and if it, you would have expected that in any way during the film, it would have completely fallen apart. Like, yeah, you, you get one clue. You get one clue. We are about an hour and a 20 into the movie. He calls someone from from this, the payphone in the Pentagon. He goes, you know who it is. He, he basically says, yeah, I'm, I'm in trouble. We need to meet. And like before you get a chance to even question that, you go, well, who was that on the phone? It's those it's he's almost caught by the witness and the, the movie's off to the races again that you forget that even happens. It is I thought a, he was calling uh, her old, her roommate for some uh, reason because so they just had that scene before. He's right? calling his handler. He's calling um, his KGB handler. He's who's, calling Chelsea Handler. Yeah. You picked up its <laughs> landlord. But it's it's wild that they give us that clue and just oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And the landlord, man. Damn. You're distracted by the movie again. It's um yeah. I think so good. Yeah. You know, it it only works because the whole idea of there being, you know, Yuri, this, you know, mythical Russian agent is because once Gene Hackman has killed, you know, Sean Young's character and they're trying to figure out what are we going to do? It's, you know, it's Will Patton who has the idea of like, oh, wait. So, you know, we've heard been hearing about this like Russian agent guy, Yuri, we've codenamed him. Well, let's pin it on him. And, you know, let's say we're investigating. We think he killed this girl. And that's why we're. So it's a total like coincidence that it even comes up. And I think because they do that, and they set up in the movie that Gene Hackman's department is trying to find Yuri from the beginning. Like that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, he happened to kill this girl too. I, you would have been expecting something. Yeah. Right. But because this is just a total like they're trying to put a Band-Aid on a, like an open gushing wound, you know, is why this twist works so well. It's yeah. it's it's Will yeah. Patton's like like you're saying, uh, Ryan, like sort of um, House of Cardsian play yeah. of like if we make it his a Doug. spy hunt, we can control the investigation, control the narrative, keep the CIA out, keep the FBI out, and it's like it's only later in the movie that, like I said, the other you know back in the days pre nine eleven. You remember when all of the, you know, FBI did their own thing, CIA did their own thing, NSA did their own thing. You know what I mean? They were like almost competitive. And it's like, it's, it's, it is honestly for me, I know, but it's the perfect, it is, they've got it, they've nailed it because suddenly the FBI get involved, suddenly CIA are getting questions, like Kevin Costner gives a little, a little clue to these guys, a little clue to that guy. And you're always on Kevin Costner's side because he's a guy that's like in a, He's in a room and the water's getting higher and higher and he's just keeping his nose yeah. in the water. And then when you get the final reveal of, oh, no, wait, the guy speaks Russian. He goes, no, no, take it slowly. It's been a long time for me. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Motherfucker. He was a ghost the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but even like for me, it's so funny because I've seen so many movies now. And I like to think, think myself, I'm a little clever when it comes to this stuff. And, you know, you can usually see these breadcrumbs and spot like spot the twist a mile away. I have a really bad habit of doing that just because I'm like, oh, I've seen this movie before. But that never happened once with this movie. I was just. Will and I were monitoring your texts. And I once, was really, it was, it was, they were just texts about Brad Pitt being in this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the but background, not, yeah. in the party scene. Will and I both Googled it and we're like, wait a minute, he's right. But, um, you know, yeah. that's something, Ryan, because you are very good at watching movies and you're very good at, so you spot things and you sometimes yeah. are hilariously cynical as well. And I was like, I was going, I was really intrigued to see one, if you saw it coming, but also two, how you like would react to it, the cherry. And you, yeah. you know, like I said, I, as you've been showing. I did like the fucking, the Scooby-Doo ending. I was just fucking blown away by it. It just really caught me by, it genuinely caught me by surprise. I think it's a testament. Like I, I usually, you know, thanks to you, I usually try not to, um, for stuff like this, watch trailers or even go on IMDb just to see like um, who's in it. Cause you know, you get, it's easy to spoil things. And I'm just so glad I didn't do that with this movie. Yeah. It's fun. This is a great movie to go in blind. I mean, I was just, even that opening shot, did you notice that opening credit? Three minutes long. Yeah. Of just like, it goes from the White House past the sort of like the, the, the big one that looks like a big thing, like a big penis. Washington? Washington Monument. There you go. And then past the Lincoln Monument and it goes down and it goes past the, um, the Pentagon and it goes down this road and then it settles on the house where this interrogation is happening. I'm like, God damn. Like way to set like really good yeah. of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This is definitely in DC. Pretty got me pretty there. Awesome. Like I say, yeah. a, a lot really of good. Do the same thing, but that that yeah. is a one shot yeah. banger that I'm like, wow. Okay. I don't want to say Dave stole the opening from this movie, but it's pretty close. Pretty, and it's pretty close. <laughs> and then, you know what? Let's uh, let's do I think it. All three of them do it. Actually, doesn't do. White House Town also have like a. Yes. DC flyby. I mean, every yeah. city's got to do that. It's like anything that takes place in New York, you got to go through this or San Francisco, <laughs> whatever. It's because mm-hmm. the president wants to do the thing. In oh <laughs> you get when he oh. said that, not to go back to that god awful movie. When he said that, I thought for sure they were just going to land a helicopter in front of like a barbecue rib place, and he just walks in. But no, it's just the Lincoln Memorial flyby. Another another that. callback to. And he's got that line. He's like, "Hey, did average?" She's like, "Yeah, man, you fucking say that all the time." <laughs> It's just like, God damn, Maggie Gyllenhaal. He wants to do the goddamn thing again. Um, yeah, okay, let's, uh, let's look, honestly, I could talk about No Way Out all day, all night, all week. Um, it's a good one. Just it's even a great talking pick. about it makes me want to watch it again. It is never. I can't wait to, you said that last night, I'm like, there's seldom I'll watch a movie and then immediately watch it again. But now I really want to see it like through that lens of already knowing and kind of picking up on stuff that I missed. So I'm looking forward to a rewatch of that one. Wild because it is so subtle, but like, Mm -hmm. you know that like Kevin Costner is playing it that way the whole time. It's like, he is always in the mindset of I'm not this guy. I'm this guy playing this guy who's now in this situation and he kills it, right? Yeah. Well, like, he kills it. Yeah. He's the dude playing a dude disguised as another right. dude. A twist that would make M. Night Shyamalan blush. I know who I am. I'm a disguised as another dude. That's the best goddamn line I've ever yeah. seen anyone do. Definitely not racist at all. <laughs> so good. Because it's definitely not racist. That's the best part about it. Robert Downey Jr. was able to do blackface and make it, like, actually acceptable. Because it's ridiculous. I, because the joke is like he would only an idiot would do that. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. that's, that's He's method is. man. Yeah. <laughs> see it though in that moment, but in Tropic Thunder, for anyone that's wondering what we're talking about. But like you see Robert Downey Jr. almost crack up halfway through that line. I know yeah. who I am. This guy's a dude playing another dude. And you see, he almost loses it. I'm like, I love that. 
My missus has never made it past the panda scene of that movie. So she's never <laughs> sleep when Ben Stiller is in the jungle and he kills the panda in that like five minutes of things like momentum stopping. My missus, you look at every time. She's never seen the end. She doesn't remember the drug bit. She's never, I, none of that. She's never seen the end. So of she it. just thinks Tropic Thunder is that racist movie with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. They, they, yeah. And then they just murder a panda and then she falls. <laughs> <laughs> She's still like, good movie. Two weeks through. <laughs> but let's, let's go. Let's segue. Let's move to the movie that made Ryan cry. Um, is uh, the absolute treasure of a movie. Nice so sweet. Three's Dave. Um, so, wait, so Ryan, no, Will. Will has it's your first watch, right? It was my first watch, yes. So Will, you take take the floor. Tell us about your experience with Dave, what you thought it was, what, what you felt about it, your feelings about it, everything. So, uh, based on the trailer, I was actually expecting something a little bit more wacky, then I, and I'm glad it wasn't that. I, yeah. I'm, it was much more sincere and heartfelt. And it's definitely very funny, but I was expecting something that was like a little bit more like hijinksy. And uh, I was I was very pleasantly surprised because I, I I'm kind of I think I've said it on here before um, when comedies have super high budgets, it they tend to lose me. And so the fact that this wasn't that kind of movie like really, really worked. Um, but it's one of those that really shows like Kevin Klein's like range as an actor, you can play an absolute, you know, dick. And then the sweetest guy in the world. And you buy both like roles. Um, yeah. And it's a shame we don't see like he still acts and stuff. I still see him in things, but he doesn't quite have the same career he did in the 90s. Right. Um, and I was telling you guys, my roommates, uh, one of my roommates, Abel, saw him uh, do a one man Shakespeare show a few years back. And he's like, he's incredible. I've always I, felt like I would watch him do a one man Dave show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For real. That I, I always felt like Phoebe Cates, man. That I guy, couldn't believe that. I locked down everybody's number one. Yeah. From the 80s. Got, That's why we don't see her in movies anymore. No, no exactly. She doesn't need to. She's married Kevin Klein. And he's like, yeah, well, I got Phoebe Cates at home. Lucky bastard. Yeah, but know. you've got like uh fish called Wanda in and out. This movie, a French fish. kiss to a lesser extent. Wanda. A fish. I like French Kiss a lot. That's an honor. I like that movie. What's the other one? Yeah. Uh, Soap Dish. You ever seen Soap, Soap Dish? Soap Dish, yeah. He's Soap dish. great. He's great. He's great. Wild Wild, Wild, Wild West. West. He's <laughs> the best part of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. You say him doing a one-man show, that's what he's doing at the beginning of Soap Dish, but he's doing like, you know, a death of a salesman, but he's doing it for like octogenarians in Florida <laughs> dinner theater. Yeah. But um, he, he's, the kind of, he's the kind of actor I always felt like, uh, and this is what the discussion I was having with my roommate yesterday, where I was like, you know, he... As an actor to me, he feels like he's the kind of actor who is doing what I think Ken, Kenneth Branagh thinks he's doing. Hmm. Like, like I like Kenneth Branagh, but there's always something about him where I'm like, you're always making a choice. Like, I can always see Kenneth Branagh acting. Like, whereas Kevin Klein, I feel like, goes that extra mile and, like, he, he just really becomes his character. We talked about this on the last episode, too. It's almost like how Tom Hanks can effortlessly do this wide range of of like sincere and sweet and manic and angry and crazy and just it just kind of works under this bubble of kevin klein like it just yeah. works 100 mm-hmm. i think i think what happened for the the downside i think that happened for kenneth browner in a way is that when he landed and he landed after doing the you know, shakespearean sort of adaptations that that the 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 industry 
you know, or like it's our new Laurence Olivier. You know, he's the mm-hmm. next great. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I love Kenneth Branagh. He's he's dope. But I think I understand what you're saying, Will, because I think that's kind of what what happened. Whereas you've got the the Tom Hanks, the Kevin Kleins, who are just funny and have come through these sort of these roles. But then when they get into these more nuanced or these deeper roles, it's it's almost like, whoa. Whereas like with Kenneth Branagh, you're always like, oh, he's the, he's supposed to be the new Lawrence Olivier of his generation, right? You know, so you're kind of like he's yeah, trying yeah. to kind of reach for that stars. Feels like he's acting, yeah. But, but Ryan, like great, great callback, you know, to what we said about Tom Hanks because, yeah, I didn't think about it. But, yeah, I mean, like, have you ever seen – I love this movie Inside Out where where Kevin Klein is – he's a high school teacher – and Matt Dillon oh, was in and out, in, in and out. Thank yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and out. Oh yeah, it's great. Where, yeah, where you know he's like he gets out of his gay, or is he? And uh, he's just so heartfelt and pure and funny and real, and that I think all comes together in one of the coolest movie characters ever, which is Dave, who is just a yeah. pure soul. <laughs> so like, well, so will keep going you know like uh you were surprised by it they, and i know what you mean about the lack of hijinks but when you started seeing you know sigourney weaver frank langella kevin dunn ving rames ben king oh my god what know? a stack I mean, cast yeah the, the cast in this is just absolutely insane and ving rames with hair i said it to you guys yeah. i don't like it um it, it don't, <laughs> that's just that's like that's like seeing your teacher outside of school you're just like yeah. no no i don't want to see this like stop it <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, in a, a much lesser extent, you know, from no way out this, I, it was leaving me being like, how is this going to end up? Because everybody is technically breaking like the law right now in the biggest way. Mm-hmm. We now know there's no consequences if you press right. break the law, but back then we were all worried about it. Um, so it was just like. You have, you know, the Frank Langella, like, forging the president's signature and stuff. And you're like, this, all right, like, this is, Dave is very sweet and all that, but this is all extremely yeah. illegal. He's got some real, like, what he's trying to do, because they've already, they've got the actual president in a coma. They've got Dave acting as the president. They've sent the vice president on some, like, 12-week Afri- tour of Africa. Tour. And, and they also yeah. hate him because he's, like, actually because he's a boy scout he's actually a good guy and his whole thing is like okay we're gonna kill the president (laughs) we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna kill the real president wait for dave to come in he'll get like another brain aneurysm we'll get kick him out the vice president he's gonna go looney tunes and i'm gonna be president it's crazy it's yeah it's very machiavellian you know yeah and it's like is that what that is (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna pin pin on him on the the vice president kind of what they were doing so it's yeah. kind of like that's the thing is like when we'll mention it you know about an hour ago when we were talking about dave but is that it does have the controversy and the machinations and and all that going on but it's all just it it's all just happening in the background of dave <clears throat> just trying to get by yeah. And trying to do the right thing and, and falling in love with the first lady yeah <laughs> i yeah. love that this movie doesn't portray him as like a complete buffoon where they have to right. like, like almost like um he's not a leslie nielsen yes yes but it was almost, so what's the anne hathaway movie where she has to be the 
Princess Princess Diaries or something like Dark that. Dark Knight Rises. Yes. <laughs> but they have to. Name <laughs> 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 is a problem. <laughs> Devil Wears Prada. Where they have to like really like they have that whole they would have like a montage where they have to train him and he's got to memorize the speeches. This happens like immediately. He's he's just a genuinely good person who he like remembers everybody's name and knows what they do. There's that great bit where you know they're training at the the conference table and he's trying to remember who whose name is who and then yeah, the next day he's like uh, isn't that right dan he's like oh shit all right sorry he's yeah, over there yeah, yeah. Uh, like just little throwaway things but he's so effortlessly charming in these so well, you the, just the, the thing and it's a great little plot device is that because he he does double for the president for fun that he has actually studied the president so when like <laughs> when frank langella and uh, kevin dunn are there trying to wonder if it's going to work and he goes, no, 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 you remember the speech? He goes, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, my God. He hold, the lectern, and he's, he starts doing the speech word for word. And that's when they mm-hmm. believe, oh, this is going to work. Because this guy is actually, he's, like you're saying, not yeah. a, he's, he's not a bumbling idiot. No. He's actually a, a guy that just tries yeah. to help people. He is politically interested. Yeah. And he, you know, and has actually, you know, he gets into like, no, that speech was great. So he understands in a way what's going mm-hmm. on. He just doesn't understand how any of it yeah. works. Because, and he's also not corrupted by that, by being like a politician. Politics. Right. Yeah. He's, he's not a cynical Washington guy. No. So he, no. uh, he's just, he looks at this opportunity as like, Oh, well, we can actually do some good and stuff. And which is blows the minds of everyone around. Well, you specifically know? Frank Langella, who's just a complete asshole. He's an right. Right. <laughs> you see even Kevin Dunn's character is kind of like taken, taken by him. Who's like, Oh my God, you took the time to memorize like, the speech that I yeah. wrote and he the, gets the president, of- you know, the president never complimented him on his work. And you have yeah. this guy who looks like the president who's like, Hey, that's a great speech, man. Same thing with Ving Rhames is like, I will die for you. He is kind yeah, of Ving Rhames who oh, has that. like, who says more with nothing than any other person like in this role. You know, it's fantastic. Since finishing, we, so we watched all these movies and I, I think I watched Dave last um, the very first yeah. thing I then did is for the maybe the seventh time is I went, oh, I put on the pilot episode of The West Wing because I was just in a, <laughs> in such a good mood. Anyway, so I'm eight episodes into season one. Uh, <laughs> that's all I've been watching this week. But it's, it's that same thing of like, oh, what if it was just, you know, good people trying to do good things? Yeah. That's why I love Parks and Recreation so much because – and they even on their podcast, they say like we took so much from The West Wing. And we have writers from the West Wing and did that, but on a much smaller scale. So what if we have the West Wing yeah. in like this city in this Pawnee, Indiana? Man, and it's it, so and sweet. And I want to say, because West Wing is one of my favorite shows, uh, you know, it, the show gets tagged with a lot of criticism of like, oh, it's, you know, it's super unrealistic. And, and you know, it's kind of like liberal fantasy stuff. I, I get it. I understand it is. That's why I like it. <laughs> it's yeah. much. That it's become, again, with, with stuff that's happening nowadays. It's a little, yeah. I mean, the thing I, I, yeah, watch it because I'm like, I wish it was that. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's, it, if you're so like disheartened and depressed and just miserable from watching the news, just put on Dave, man. Yeah. Just put on Dave. It'll put a fucking smile on your face but for it, a good two hours. It's kind of like you were saying, like, is that about Dave's character being, in uncorrupted is that it was the West Wing episode I was watching last night, which I think is episode seven, Mr. Willis of Ohio, where this guy is a, he has a vote in Congress because his wife died. And so it's yep. passed to him and they're all caught off guard where he's like going, Oh, it's no, don't worry. You tell me everything. And like, 
No, you made the best argument. It's just someone uncorrupted being put (laughs) into a position of power. And that's what Dave is. And he's just this positive force who tries to realize that he's got this opportunity. Well, I guess maybe I can help. And then it's that moment where he realizes that what the other guys are doing are nefarious. But he's got the power because technically he's Mm -hmm. president. And it's right around that that Sigourney Weaver figures out who he is it's a quite it's clever right after she sees yeah. his dick yeah take a moment to like is that the same penis but he even like mentions it i thought maybe she goes no no not that yeah <laughs> but it was definitely his dick yeah <laughs> yeah dave is hung <laughs> yeah that that was definitely her look was just like oh she well. saw that dripping wet hog and she was like, hang on a minute <laughs> it also doesn't help that he has a giant like big bird tattoo right up his thigh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they never like accounted for any of that stuff and it's the first moment you realize oh shit like he's really he's literally naked yeah. and he can't hide behind anything you know right and you have this whole tension like the Sigourney Weaver and Billy Mitchell, they fucking hate each other as established. Like they show up in person and that's about it. They, they go their separate ways. They're in separate rooms. They're, they're working on their own separate stuff. But it's that commentary on the fakeness of, of politics is like, you know, he takes his dog and he takes his wife's house oh, throws the and leash. they walk in the white house. He throws the dogs away. They both go off in separate directions. And I think that it's like, but it's, it's making the point without making the point, isn't it? It's just a fun movie to watch that's just sweet, but it's also going, you know, fuck politics and fuck Washington. And like, just maybe if we could just, you know, get through the bullshit. We I, need a Dave, man. Just need a goddamn Dave. And yeah. he looks like, even Kevin Klein in this movie, just, and it's, take this with whatever you want, but he just looks so presidential too. Like he's got yeah. like this. I would vote for pretty, Kevin Klein. Yeah. Yeah. If I could vote, I've never. Plus, he's banging the lady from Congo. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Laura Linney. Yeah, well, yeah, her part was smaller than I thought it was going to be. I, like, yeah, I was, no. I was very surprised. And Bonnie Hunt as well. Mike yeah. Crew. We're, yeah, we're walking. We're walking. We're walking. We're walking. Uh, it's, it's so funny. Like I still quote this movie, and I like forget that it's from this movie. Yeah. And it's just it's so good. I'm I like, think. My favorite scene for me is where, so basically Sigourney Weaver's become intrigued by the president slash Dave when he's being an actual nice person when they're at the homeless shelter for children. Mm-hmm. Um, very next moment is Frank Langella vetoes and just stamps and just takes away their funding. Um, and then, and that's kind of when Dave was like, summons him, you know, to the White House. What's going on? Why did you veto this? And Frank Langella is one. Don't ever fucking don't ever send for don't me. Don't you ever send for me again? Yeah. But it's like his throwaway line is: if you can find six hundred and fifty million, you know, fine, you can you can keep it. And then he calls his buddy Charles Grodin. Yeah, for like the, <laughs> the dad from Beethoven, from Beethoven, from Beethoven, America's <laughs> favorite curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> but it's like it's that it's that scene with the uh, with the um, the cabinet where it's the 100th cabinet meeting, oh, all so the cameras are there, and Dave takes advantage of this situation and just Daves it and just, well, I don't want to tell a little kid that they need to go and live mm-hmm. on the street because we want someone to be, you know, feel comfortable about their car. Do you? No, Mr. President, I don't. And just oh. that scene, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. 
and it's so good. And, but I love it. And he, again, like he's going through each one of these, trying to cut stuff out of the budget. He's writing all this stuff down. And by the end of it, everyone is absolutely pumped. They're like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? <laughs> like even Kevin Dunn. He's like, yeah, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. I love that bit. Is there, and he's carry the one. Uh, you know, he's doing that yeah. whole, like he's doing math in his head kind of thing. $657 million. The only one upset is Frank Langella because he's just a, <laughs> just a dick in this movie. <laughs> He's he's a treasure, uh, a treasure. It, that, Will, was that you? There's a. Have you now got a crazy okay. zombie next to it? So, so in addition to the dog, I was really wondering if you guys heard that. Are you under in addition law? to the dog and in the, the ghetto birds that fly overhead, there's also Le Pan guy. Um, there's a guy who drives around in a van with a megaphone out of his car, and he's selling bread. But you hear. Pond, the pond. Like just, and it will come on randomly. We won't hear it. Scares me every single time because he does it like right outside my door, and he's just driving slowly down the neighborhood. Well, so not out to the bread guy. Have you, you tried this bread? It sounds like it'd be, it'd be amazing. Do you? Oh, I bought bread from him before. Yeah. You sure? It sounds like you live in the Los Angeles from the beginning of Demolition Man. It's not <laughs> far off. It is not far off. Let me Are tell you. you. It's Angel Will blink if you say <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, we'll we'll probably hear the nine ice cream trucks come by before too long because they all, like every ice cream truck should, all nine of them show up at the same time. You know, they don't stagger at all. They all show up exactly the same moment. They're a hundred percent selling cocaine out of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, because we heard were them at eleven thirty at night. So when we were kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot when, of ice cream customers. When we were kids riding around our when we were kids riding around our um our bicycles, we would hear the faint whispers of the Mr. Softy ice cream thing. The but we could never quite catch it. Like we were always like a block behind or a block away. And it was like this ancient myth. Like you could hear it in the distance. <laughs> ice cream this, this, that, this siren's call, but you could just never get there. And it was just so Man. frustrating. Move to even South if Central we could, LA. Even if we could, we never had any money, so it wouldn't have mattered. So we were just riding our bikes around because it was something to do. Oh, you grew, you grew yeah. up in gangs in New York, did you? You're just like much, yeah. urchins on the street. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we are a multi-state podcast. I'm in Texas. I'm in the middle of the country. Ryan is in Arizona. Will is in the ghettos of Los Angeles. <laughs> I, I'm literally in South Central. If you look up, where where do the 90s riots happen? That's where I live. <laughs> um I like my neighborhood a lot, but you know, it's uh right now we're recording in the evening and that's when everybody comes by, screams pond la pond and their megaphones. I just picture the neighborhood from I picture the neighborhood from Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right. That is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. You must have great weed. Um We sure do. <laughs> so, so back to Dave. Yes. So, so it kind of gets to that point of when, and it's again, like, I, I love that you pointed it out, Will, because I didn't really think about it, but there's the lack of hijinks, the lack of him like scurrying or trying to hide behind something, you know, there's none of that. Because when Sigourney Weaver quite, you know, cleverly sort of figures out, all right, you're not my husband. Who the hell are you? And he's like, I don't care about my husband, but I'd really like to know where he is right now. Mm-hmm. And it's that scene where they take him down to the basement, to the base basement, through the security thing, and he's just in this the presidential cryo chamber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of dark. You know, it's crazy. It's dark yeah. when you think about it. Yeah, it's not played for laughs. It's not played for like you know. No. Like, oh, we've been hiding them behind, you know, all these statues, like nothing yeah. like that. It's very I mean, much like 
It's a weekend. Where's your husband? I was gonna say, listen, would this have been better as a weekend at Bernie's adjacent yes. film? Yes. <laughs> weekend of at three, uh, you know, in the White House. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sign me up. Let's make. Like, I mean, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It but might already be happening. But it sets up that kind of, and it's, it's kind of. I think. I think. Will you asked it right at the beginning? Is when we're talking about this movie. Is that it is still that movie? Is like, how are we gonna get out of this? Yeah. You know, because once it gets to that point, Dave fires Frank Langella um, and, uh, and it sort of sets up this whole thing where Frank Langella is now campaigning. He now basically outs Dave, but the president for the actual wrongdoing that he was doing, um, which sets up this whole impeachment, which, again, will did make me laugh that. We're setting up like, oh, this is going to take down his presidency. And it's just stuff that's par for the course nowadays. It's like, oh, there's just a bit of money laundering and manipulation of like, you know, who cares? It's almost cute nowadays. Like, oh, is that yeah. all he did? All right. You know. How many indictments? God, I will say yeah. it was crazy at the end of this movie when they're swearing in uh, Sir Benjamin Kingsley as the president. He's the 45th president. Did I caught catch that, that too. Oh, I caught that. I was like, oh, is he now? <laughs> Holy! And again, this was in 1993. Yeah, I know. there must have been a lot of like presidential assassinations. Also, every president yes. kept dying, and they just had to find a double. To, to kind of like a, it's like a multiplicity type of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to find a Dave lookalike. This president died twice. This is yeah. weird. They're just whittling down. They get to Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with two mustaches um but yeah and it kind of sets up that 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 end where you it suddenly it happens and you're like oh here we go because like um where dave gets up in front of congress and i did you notice because i only noticed it on this watch and i've seen the movie a hundred times but when it does the reverse and you're looking at congress the first 10 rows are just that and then it's just a movie screen you can even see the screen so it's projection projection oh, for the rest of the uh, the thing it was so weirdly obvious this time and i'm like how did i know yeah, yeah i wasn't yeah I, I, I didn't catch that it was just one of those things of like oh my god it's just a screen just another testament to why practical effects are better than cgi <laughs> there you go 100 exactly um but then it becomes that oh you suddenly you piece it together because just as dave as the president takes responsibility <laughs> yeah make sure everyone understands the vice president was innocent and just as he's saying, you know, maybe there's some moral. Oh, my beautiful brain. <laughs> he collapses, perfect timing. But it's like, sets up that whole thing of, you then kind of get it revealed through the news. But it's like, you know, after five months, the real president finally died. They swear in Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley says, I'm going to continue the, the, the path that the president chose. But that's um, Dave's thing of full employment. And then you're like, again, already you're like, well, nicely done. And then you get such a little bow, which mm -hmm. is the whole Sigourney Weaver, Dave, Ving Rames uh, thing. <laughs> but before I talk about that very quickly is that that little moment, I think my favorite little scene is when Dave and, and Sigourney Weaver, so Sigourney Weaver now knows she's like, that her husband is kind of dead. And they go, they sneak out and they go for a drive and they get <laughs> pulled over by the cops. And this has been referenced before that right at the beginning of the movie, um, Davis talked about, oh, I was going to do my club med bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got a comedy bit that he does as the president and he gets pulled over by the cops and correct me if I'm wrong. That's the cop is the guy that dies with the Wilhelm scream from Dante's peak. 
is the yeah. that, that's got him. Yeah, the guy that's the boss from Dante's Peak. Oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. With the torch. yeah, but it's that bit where he's doing the bit and he shines the torch in his eyes. He goes, "I'm fine," and Sigourney Weaver starts singing. I mean, for you guys, oh, I, that's what, great. What you think it's about? So good. I love that scene. I mean, it was, yeah, that was super adorable, and it was just like it was such a sweet moment, and you know. Uh, I, I like that moment. That's one of my favorites. I will say the moment I liked uh, even more is towards the end when they're, it's uh, him and Ving Rhames in oh, the yeah. ambulance. Oh my God. And he says like, I would have taken a bullet for you. That's okay. where I did get like, Oh my God. All it's right. Great. It's I, for me, yeah, great. For me, it was moment. in when he, when he go, goes to the, the, um, the homeless shelter and he's like, they're just kids. And she goes, yeah, man, like kids can be homeless too. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of their parents are on the street he singles out that the little boy playing by himself. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And he does the little magic trick and he's like backs away the camera. It's, it's so sweet. You can't yeah. help but fall in love with him as a person. Like without ever hitting that thing that you like to talk about, Ryan is that that saccharine kind yeah, of like, not, once it goes too far, it's just like, all right now, come yeah. on. This, no, Cause then yeah. after that, you, you, I think you, then you get like the little vignette of him like campaigning and just, that's when he does, he goes to the, um, like the factory workers and he does the famous fish thing he throws out the first pitch because yeah. it's established earlier that he like he's got the baseball glove and he he plays baseball with the kids and it's just it's it just works everything yeah. about mm-hmm. this damn movie works so so yeah. well and then yeah so it ends up with that like he at the very end is going into politics he's going into local politics the first lady turns up um and then uh, that 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 lovely reveal of like when they close the blinds, Ving Rhames comes and stands. Now up. it's crazy to me to think though that he goes to he goes to he he's going to start campaigning, and what are the chances he could become president again? And people wouldn't just notice, like <laughs> yeah, I, you do look you look exactly like this person. It's crazy. <laughs> Glasses, man. You ever seen Superman? It works. Yeah. <laughs> he parts his hair on the other side. Yeah. But then also the whole Sigourney Weaver thing. Yeah. If that, you yeah. really if you really boil that down, <laughs> yeah. it's just fucking just, crazy. It is. Unless yeah. you're like, well, she's got a type. And yeah. it's, <laughs> she only fucks dudes who look like Kevin Klein. <laughs> It like perfectly understandable type. It makes that's the only thing that's like, like yeah. on a second we rewatch. I'm like, okay, maybe she's like remembering back to when she first met her husband, but he's not like he just looks the same. It's well, so no. crazy. She she sleeps with people that look like Kevin Klein, but she's accepted that different penises can happen. That you know, so she's open to different penises. Yeah. That's her that's her thing. So this has to be one thing, but everything yeah. else, yeah. That's America's to- penis. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see Dave too, where he's got to find a lookalike for him, and that like maybe the lookalike's evil. Ooh, there's the plot of Dave too, right? Evil that, that was the best part. It was like you know when they when they get pulled over and they're doing little the the song, and the cop he's like brings him like, hey, you know you were good, but she needs some work. Some work. <laughs> I was great. I yeah, I know, I know, I know what I can do. Yeah, um, so good. But, it's yeah. a perfect movie. This is a perfect movie. I know yeah. we say it all the time. This to me, perfect. Movie. That is this definitely goes on my list. This gets my stamp. Movies. Yeah, like literally. like if you need a like just. Uh, like if you're feeling sick one day this will be your chicken soup this will make you feel good bang chicken soup for the soul um in many ways honestly yeah this is the perfect movie but i use all of these movies to feel a certain way now granted white house down is you know it is what it is but i watch it when i want to just have that kind of vibe no way out is i want to watch an absolute top draw thriller movie and dave is the yeah the chicken soup for the soul um but 
all three of these movies, right? They are DC. They are DC movies. They give us a tour of DC. They give us a vibe of DC, the positives, the negatives, the left and the right. Almost impossible. We need to now do what we do on this podcast is pick one of these movies to represent DC. Guys, I am not capable of this situation. I don't even know where to begin. Does anybody want to try and pick up? I this? was trying. I mean, now I'm. It, it, it's it's always in the forefront of my mind going into like each one of these movies. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I know this is winning for sure. And I'm always surprised. But, you know, it's DC is such a like it's like you only get two genres with DC. And it's usually the taut thriller or the terrorist blockbuster and but then you get dave which kind of is just the only instance where you get like the sweeter side of like um like a west wing type of feeling like you don't normally ever get that with a dc film like and um um, one of my also runs like the american president which is basically just the song feature length pilot yeah the west wing Mm -hmm. you know it is it's like half the cast is the same (laughs) is that a sorkin script yeah 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 it is literally like so. Yeah, yeah. A right, big yeah. plot of of the American president is what is the virtue of a proportional response? That is the exact plot of episode three of West Wing. You've even got you've even got the president um, Martin Sheen playing the Leo character in the movie. It's uh-huh. like you know, it literally. Yeah. Just, now let me ask you this: so hard. It's just so I, weird to watch an American president in hindsight, just to be like, ah. Every, wait, everything's <laughs> off a little bit. Yeah. It's just Something's not quite the West Wing. <laughs> yeah, you watch Dave and it just fucking works, man. You just it's let like, it go. The thing is, right, okay, let's try and like even, you know, okay. So White House Down, okay, that definitely begins with a tour of Washington. We get all of, um, you know, we the Senate and the White House and this, that, and the other. Now, okay, though, it's all digital. There's almost nothing actually shot yeah. in DC, right? That's where I'm going to go with this one is because opening shot of No Way Out is literally all of Washington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. literally. They even shot in the Pentagon. In the Pen- which was- is crazy. I couldn't believe they did that. Yeah, because yeah, you're looking at how did they shoot this because it yeah. looks, but you realize they're shooting in the foyers and stuff like that. Okay. They're running down the street. So there's very, 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 very DC, as is Dave. Dave mm-hmm. does some very DC stuff. Now, I'm going to say like another example, No Way Out, where Gene Hackman is having breakfast. He's sitting oh, yeah. on the roof of a place where in the background, you can see the Washington Monument and you can see the White House. And that's a real shot. Yeah. You know, so my, my thing that I'm throwing out right now is because White House Down is so digital, everything's fake, probably yeah. shot in a, a nowhere near DC. That's going to be my, yeah. can we eliminate that because of green screen? So you're saying that because... Uh, of all the fakeness just like washington dc it matches the spirit of washington therefore it is the best washington dc i agree i agree damn damn it damn it damn you will damn because that's a great argument so now you just made it harder so how's downs i'm the james woods of this podcast damn it i don't we'll we'll edit this out later it's so i mean let's i mean again so white house down is just the diehard of it all Okay, Dave yeah. is the, the, the optimistic side combined with the negative side. And then No Way Out feels, it, you know, it's like it feels very 80s because it's, you know, Cold War and it's Russian spies, but it's very Pentagon. It's, it's very 
political. It's very this senator. I mean, you've got like a real that guy, that actor that is a real senator that turns up in movies. He always turns up in.、Um, Oh,、uh, he's in Hunt for Red October too. He yeah, ran for、yeah. president. I know you're talking about. You know exactly. He he turns up in everything. I'm sure. James Madison. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Fred Thompson. Okay, Fred Thompson. Yeah, you got yeah, Fred yeah. Thompson, actual guy. You know, and then、um, but but you also get the real senators and Dave too. That's right. So Dave has actual serving, and you have the Ben Stein cameo. Who was the speechwriter for Nixon? Right, Dave Desmond definitely had more、uh, old school politicians that I remember、yeah. hating so much.、Yeah. So yeah. that was like such even、um, you had like the oh I the, hated that guy oh the, I hated him the TV show host who was kind of like a the, the Rush Limbaugh of his of that time on the TV. He was also I think he was also in the Birdcage like yeah、oh, with Gene Hackman the McLaughlin group. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, I hated all those people. It was fantastic.、Yeah. So they okay. So that's actually a really good point that Dave. Ooh, I do like to think that Gene Hackman is the same senator in this as he is in. The yeah,、package. that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a second, let's let's jump on that because when you get into the credits of Dave, there are a dozen, if not twenty, people who are all playing themselves, and they are all、yeah. actual Democrat, Republican, congressmen. Like they've got the actual Speaker of the House, they've got actual people from、yeah. the news, they've got actual speechwriters. Playing themselves, talking about ooh, ooh, is that how we do it, guys? Ooh. But I will say, no way out does feature the real shopping mall from DC, which、yeah. I've been to and I bought、so、a Superman I... comic there. So, you know, also equally as good as having twenty real life politicians. Did they use、yes, that no. mall in in Minority Report as well? You know the bit. Maybe I. I have not. I'm not brushed up on my minority. Now、report. I think about it, because that was definitely a movie I was circling about. Maybe、mm. bringing some sci-fi in for this week as well. I had lots of also runs. I can't wait to get back to DC. Oh yeah, how many DC? I for the like watching No Way Out made me feel like when I had taken a high school field trip to Washington DC, and we went to <laughs> all the memorials. We I don't think we, went, we didn't go to the Pentagon. We didn't go to the White House, but we went to like the Smithsonian and all that stuff. So it very much felt like a. A, 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 a school trip to me, in a way. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" And like the National Mall, for example. Like, "Oh yeah, I think I bought some flip flops there or something." <laughs> this is yeah. This is tricky. I mean, like, it's is is Dave or No Way Out? I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate White House Down for just being hilariously ridiculous.、Yeah. I want to、sure. give it to Dave just because of how it makes me feel. But man, I was so blown away. Callback to how good, <laughs> to how good, to how good No Way Out was. I just it, I, it's it's rare for me to see a movie that's that from that time period that can still surprise me. Yeah, and I like this really knocked it out of the park. It's such a good in in like the ilk of all of these DC political thrillers because there are so many. Which is great spy thrillers. Just great, yes, just exactly.、Movies. Yeah. It's, it's this is like a movie my dad would love the book of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no shit. I mean, no joke though. I mean, No Way Out for me is should be more regarded. I mean, I, I、yeah. know it is. I know it's got great reviews. It's just it's one of those、yeah. movies that you know it's surprising that Ryan hadn't seen. Yeah, I, and I, I'd be curious to see like what people think on your on your social media because like you, whenever I talk.、Um, You know, talk to people about this podcast now. They're always like, "Oh, what state are you doing next? What movies are you doing?" And you know, going through this, going through these three movies, the only one people knew of was really White House Down. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's so and it's, that's it. You've heard it here. It's why. <laughs> you know, it's great, but it's 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 not it's not Dave. It's not it's not no, no way out. I uh, okay. I, I might be. I might. I can be swayed either way. That's yeah, kind of no, right. me too. So I'm like right now. This is uh, just to have anything. Right, Ryan, instinctual. No way out or Dave. Just say Dave. Dave. Yeah. Will. No way out or Dave. Ah, yeah, Dave. I, I think I think the real actual politicians that I hate um, are putting it over the top. Uh, so I I think I'm going Dave too. No way out. It's so good. No no way yeah. is Dave is just so much more realistic. <laughs> Ah, okay. Oh no. Okay. All right. Well, can we can we all agree that No Way Out is an absolute? Classic? It's incredible. Oh my god, it's awesome. I'm gonna probably watch it again. Yeah, for real. Like, right when we're done. Home. <laughs> Honestly, Ryan, if you want to rewatch and do a live text of holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> I do, but not tonight because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's already late. Um. Okay. All right. I mean, honestly, it's not a wrong, there's no real wrong answer to this one, but we're going to land on the movie Dave, 1993's Dave, directed by Ivan Reitman, Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, Frank Langella, and co., uh, is the official movie to best represent Washington, D.C. to the world for all time, or at least until such time as we bring more movies to the table. Speaking of more movies, what were some of the also-rans? I know I've mentioned some of mine already. Another one... Yeah that I was heavily circling uh, is in the line of fire. Yes, me too. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. I yeah. just watched it recently. Another thriller that's just... And, uh, yeah, just a great... It's a great Clint Eastwood movie that he didn't direct. Did he not? Yes. Did he not Yeah, I, I think it was... Was it no, Ron Howard did that? It, no, no, no. It's the German guy. It's the guy that directed Das Boot. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, Gus Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang... Gus Van Yanda Bond? <laughs> is the director yeah, of that one um so fellas Werner uh, Herzog are there, also, are there also rants that I might be uh, forgetting oh, talk to the American president you know yeah I, I had a bunch I you know yeah. I, I was this close to picking uh all the presidents Ben oh yeah um I, I was very very close but uh also wag the dog was on there oh wag the i had dog. i had another one that may, might be maybe you guys know it it's I'm, I'm pretty sure it's called um uh my fellow americans with jack lemon and um oh where I, they're both like ex-presidents yes, yes. i just trying to this like uncover. Trailer, i'd never heard of it it popped up it's on so movie. good and i watched yeah. it so good have i never heard of this movie this sounds yeah. great yeah, it was another movie that was just like on cable all the time. But I, and I remember it very fondly. That's right. But I don't know I if like all because yeah. I think they're traveling like across the country to get back to DC to stop something from happening. Yeah, because the current president is trying to do something in a like room, and so two yeah. ex presidents are caught up in some conspiracy. Yeah. But it's a comedy. And the, yeah, it's basically yeah. the odd couple. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Walter Matthau was supposed to be in it, but he had passed. I think. I think. Yeah, um, so I, it's um James Garner, Jack yeah, Lemon, and Jack Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's James right. Garner and Jack Lemon uh, as a sort of pair. It's I, good, I, man. It's good. I'd never heard of it, and I'm like, I might want if that turns up on Netflix, I'll be watching that. It's yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, uh, sure uh, yeah. Lincoln was on my also uh, yeah. as well. I see. Honestly, once I saw got Dave and. In, in my grip, I was like, that, I had blinders on. That's all I could yeah. see. Where was like, we can do Lincoln, we can do all the presidents, man. I was like, well, White House down? And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, well, oh, but I recommend Olympus is pollen and I can go fuck myself. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So the only thing left to do is to decide where we're going next week. I finally decided to jump on the grenade to address the massive elephant in the room, to jump on a state that, of course, has a gajillion movies and is the home state of Ryan Sandler. We are going to New York, guys. I already have I, my pick. Oh, oh, already got good it. Good Lord. I don't even know where we're going to begin, but we are waiting 25 weeks to do this. I'm surprised. I for sure thought you were going to save it for the finale. I, I was like, yeah, let, let's do it. I mean, let's yeah. do it. Let's let's jump on. Let's go to New York. Because oh, man. I got a couple that I'm me leaning too. towards. Yeah. So how, how are we going to narrow this down? I actually... Okay. I have a really bold choice and it's and it's kind of like how I've said to you guys that I often go with the movie that at the age of 12 or 11 I saw <laughs> oh, I shit. guess this is what I, we can't all pick secret of the ooze <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to love my choice and it is actually one of my favorite movies and was a high, one of the highest grossing movies of the year that it came out. You just wait. So to everybody at home, as we have decided that Dave is the ultimate movie, we've also decided that you need to stop what you're doing right now and go and watch No Way Out. It's an absolute yeah. certified banger. Yep. But next week, we'll be heading to the state of New York. So by all means... Drop us a line and let us know what you think we should do. You can find me online as That Englishman in Texas. You can find me also as Ollie underscore Pettigrew. You can find us as a podcast on Facebook or on Reddit. Just look up United States of a Movie. You can find Will online as Entitled Millennial. And right now you can find Ryan and just look for the fun designs that he's put together for our podcast and also That Englishman in Texas and many things. Uh, Threadless.com slash Rhino Digital. R-Y-N-O Digital. Last thing. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, for reaching out, for communicating. Do us a favor this week as a bit of homework. Tell somebody else about the podcast. Share it with us. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already on YouTube. Hit the notifications if you haven't. Look down at the app you're listening on the phone right now. Rate, review, give us five stars. It really does help. But we really do want to grow this community because we love doing this podcast. Ryan, Will, guys. This was such a great week. I oh man, this was a blast. This this awesome. week's gonna be this next one's gonna be tough. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to take a week man. off. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to stretch, limber up, and come out with some great movie choices. But until that time, to everybody at home, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to this episode of the United States of a Movie Podcast. Yeah.